With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with River Brown, Angie Velez, and this is now episode 166. In this episode, we debate whether or not Devin Booker is a top MVP candidate, if the Miami Heat are imploding, Tom Thibodeau's future with the Knicks, and talk March Madness and top prospects with Ryan Hammer. A quick Patreon shout out to G. Boog, Kobe, Jeremiah, Dylan, Afosa, Mason, Rico, Gentile, Drew, Cade, MVP, Mark, SP4Z Shot, Jordan, Evan, Dylan, Joel is the GOAT, Mayo, Andre, Matthew, Peter, Daniel, Biggie, Boston Boy, Ben O'Reilly, Mickey, William, Tyler, Ruthless Rootster, Sensei Stevie, Joel B, SA Crimes, Kevin S, Eagle, Dalla, Tizzy, Corey, Get Funkoed, Dylan, Playboy, Dom, Orlando, Big Chuck, Michael, Greg, Cole, Liam, T. Grove, Tua Sucks on Ka, Ryan, Epic Lankiness, Travis Ball, Aaron, It's Black Ace, Anthony, BJ, PJs, Langston, Jazzy Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Dave, Muffins, John, Sean Triplett, Burner Hoops, Court Cousins, P. Dot, George, Hakari, Mateen, and Jay Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua, man. Let's get into it. And can't forget about Let's Monster. Shout out to Monster. Shout too. out. I'll be forgetting the YouTube shout outs and the YouTube subscribers. Give sometimes. a shout out to, to Maury is a fraudulent GM also for beating me in the fantasy basketball championship. Hell of a duel, man. Oh, you Congratulations. Just shot there you so. go. There you go. Congratulations. So shout out to everybody. And it's gonna be a great episode. Uh we actually have a um we have things to do today. So we are I'm recording right. this episode. Then we're going to the Elite Eight in Philadelphia. We're going to drive there. It's going to be a little road trip with Drew, Riv, and I. And we're going to watch St. Peter's play UNC. Jersey, baby. Hopefully Jersey gets this. Stand the fuck up. Let's make history. Yeah. Come on, man. And we're all we lamped up. We need it. You know, you you burped before the podcast. I did. But you burped under your breath. Thank very you. respectfully. Because I'm a respectful <laughs> human being. Riv burped very loud. So Disgusting. I was, my dad has a sensitive stomach. And I, I tend when I'm at my house, I tend to burp out loud. I don't, I'm not respectful about it. I'm very obnoxious You're about in your it. Own house. It's exactly. Right. That's what I said to my dad. My dad's like, "Can you stop that?" <laughs> and he's like, "It's just disgusting." And I'm like, "Dad, I'm just in my house chilling. I'm burping." And I just want to ask you, that's normal to burp obnoxiously at your house. Listen, you're talking to one of the most gassy individuals that I know. I'm letting it fly. I don't care. It's, if I'm in my house and I'm with people that I know and I love, they got to they gotta accept me for who I am. I, tell, I, I told my dad, I was like, what's the difference if it comes out from my mouth or my ass? Because uh, if one I smells fart, way worse. You're right. But if, if I, don't, I don't try to hold in my fart when I'm with my dad or with my family. I just let it rip. Does your dad let it rip? 
Yes. All right, I think, then. So I think then for me, it's matter? a little different because it's a lot of women in my house. So uh-huh. I try not to oh, do I'm stuff. I'm so courteous like, of you, Yeah, bro. it's my mom, my grandma, and my sister. So I try not to do obnoxious stuff. Real gentlemen. But when they're not there, oh, man, it smells <laughs> it's ridiculous. Not- <laughs> I'm violent. Like, you know, burping loud, farting loud. This is, a, this my is, dad, a, this is a weird question, but when you're in your bed, you're laying down, you're about to go to sleep, and you start... Uh, Farting? Do you smell under the covers? <laughs> I used to do that when I was younger. <laughs> no, but the worst is when you're stuck in a position for dumb long, and then you turn over, and then like the smell hits you all at Yo, once. Yo, bro, have you ever farted in the shower? And it smells absolutely <laughs> fucking like, like I did it one time by accident. I'm like, yo, like the, the way it came yes, so fast. The, 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 yeah, the fart, I'm like, particles nah, get stuck bro. In the I was like, I had to get out the shower for a little bit because I was like, bro, nah, I can't stay in here, man. Yeah, it bro, smells it's... crazy in here, bro. <laughs> Like, that's the worst smell ever. Like, I don't like that. So we got a jam-packed show today. We're going to have facts. Ryan Hammer, who talks a lot about college basketball on the show, to talk about March Madness and some top prospects. What? But we're going to start off the show first, before we get into the first topic. Um, you guys may notice that JC is not here. Uh, he is not going to be on future episodes. Unfortunately, he's backed up. He just got a new job. He's been very busy, has a lot going on. And he respectfully told me through text that, you know, he really is not able to do the show that often. So because of that, we don't know when's the next time he's going to be on. But for the time being, just plan on him not being on future episodes. So let's get on to the first episode of, I mean, the first segment of this show. Devin Booker recently has been getting a lot of MVP push. John Morant is coming out and he's saying, He's my MVP. He's been winning. Isaiah Thomas, the Hall of Fame point guard, not the one that plays for the Hornets, was like, Devin Booker, he should be MVP. So I want to ask you guys, is Devin Booker a top MVP candidate? And what I mean by that, I know top can be very vague. What I mean by that, would you put him in the top three? I wouldn't. I think the top three has been a three-man race since damn near the beginning of the year. Giannis, Embiid. The Joker. I think those are the three guys that'll probably end the year strong. But I think Devin Booker definitely deserves to be top five. You know, I think right after that should be either him and Tatum or him and Luca. But I don't think those two. Like I think to leave him out the top five is kind of crazy, and it it really is because the MVP doesn't have a real definition to it. The the award doesn't because if we're talking about who's most valuable. You take that person off the team, what is it? Then I can understand the argument for the top three guys in front of him. You know, the Joker, we know. If he's off the team, they suck. Mm -hmm. They're horrible. And B, you could probably make the argument that they're not good. Although Harden being there, it could change a little bit. Giannis, they're probably a playing team maybe or not a playoff team. But I feel like for, for Devin Booker, his argument is I'm the best player on the best team in the league by a wide margin. Like, this is a team that's been dominant. Like, uh, people love to credit Boston Celtics for their run in the last two months. Phoenix has been doing this for the last four or five months. Like, this has been an all-year thing. So I think he definitely has a case to be in that conversation. I think he definitely has a case to put his— You could stack his numbers against, for example, a guy like Jason Tatum or John Morant. They're similar. He's winning more than both of those guys. So I think— he definitely deserves to be in that top five. I wouldn't put him in the top three, though. But four or five for me, he should be there automatically. You definitely can make the case for Devin Booker being in the MVP race. You you look at it like this. Players in NBA history to average 25, 5, and 5. Shout out to Stab Muse for this great stat. 25, 5, and 5 with an 800 record or better. Larry Bird in 85, 86. Jordan, 91, 92. Barkley, 92, 93. LeBron, 08, 09. LeBron 12 13, Steph 15 16, Steph 17 18, Harden 17 18, 
1920, and then Booker this season. Now, every player I listed outside of Steph in the 17-18 season, because they simply could not give him that award, given the fact that yeah, KD just joined the squad. No, I'm saying, oh, but the year before yes. that, yes. All of them had won the MVP. So you have to have him in that conversation, especially with everything you listed out. They have been the best team over the, the length of the NBA season consistently. However, if we're throwing in Devin Booker, in my honest opinion, you need to throw in Jason Tatum as well. Jason Tatum has been a prolific scorer this season for the fact that they were a mediocre team at one point in time during the season and to now be one of the best, if not arguably the best team in the NBA, that deserves a little bit of credit in my opinion. I so wait, can I, can I ask you a quick question? Does two months of being great deserve more credit than a season of being elite? It depends on the situation. In my opinion, you look at the Suns. They're essentially the same roster from last season. With a few changes, obviously, you added JaVale McGee to that mix. <clears throat> the Celtics had a brand new head coach, different lineup changes that they were experiencing throughout the beginning of the season. It was hard for each individual to find their, their role, their each individual role. It took them coming together. It took a close to a falling out for them to finally realize, all right, if we want to become a winning basketball team, we each need to identify what we're, our strengths are, and we need to really thrive in that, in that role. After Jalen Brown tweeted the, a shift is coming. I sense a shift in the air. The Celtics have been a completely different ball team, have been the best team in the East since that span of games. The only team that you can really put on their level right now is the Phoenix Suns, and it all starts with the play of Jason Tatum, both offensively and defensively. I'm torn with this topic, and the reason I'm torn with this topic is because that stat by StatMuse is excellent, and it highlights how the MVP has been awarded in years past. Usually, the MVP has always been the best player on the best team in the NBA. Westbrook ruined it in 2017 when he won MVP because he averaged because he averaged a triple double. <clears throat> Jokic last season, the only reason he won is because Joel Embiid got hurt. Has Joel Embiid been there the entire season? Philadelphia, the one seed with his stats, he's the MVP. Because of that, it's hard for me to say Devin Booker doesn't deserve this award. But then you look at the flip side, and how many, com how many people complain year in and year out about the criteria of the MVP award and how it's awarded? I, for one, and so and so am somebody who has complained about it with previous winners. Me too. Giannis in 2019. He won because his team won 60, 60 games, were the first seed, but Harden won 54, was averaging 35 points per game, and Chris Paul was hurt, so was Capella, and Harden had to carry that team, and he was making history. I thought he deserved it that year, despite Giannis being the best player on the best team in basketball. You look at another year with James Harden in 2015. Steph Curry won the award. I thought Harden was better than him that year, and he led a Houston Rockets team to the second seed despite not having the same roster quality as Steph Curry. Because of that, maybe we're moving into a new era of how we award the MVP. Maybe it's not about being the best player on the best team anymore, but simply being the, the best player of the year, the most va like what it's supposed to be the most valuable player in the NBA, the best player in the NBA. Devin Booker has 
the box score stats, 26 points per game, uh, around five assists, close to six. Six of the last seven MVPs led the NBA in PER. 11 of the last 13 have done that. Devin Booker is not even top 10 in PER. When we talk about advanced stats alone, Devin Booker is nowhere near any of the top guys like Embiid, Giannis, Joker, Luka, LeBron. Tatum. Steph. Tatum. Steph. Uh, Devin Booker is nowhere near that. I think Devin Booker's MVP case doesn't become a case anymore when we can say and back up with facts that he's not the most valuable player on his team. It's Chris Paul. I think Devin Booker is the best, but he's not the most valuable player on his team. It's Chris Paul. And I had Chris Paul as my MVP at, at, at midseason. I'm torn about this because I know I tweeted the other day that Devin Booker would be my MVP. But after doing some research and doing some digging, maybe we are starting to change how we award the MVP. And with that being said, I think my MVP this year is Joel Embiid. Third in PER, leads his team in three categories. His team is now the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And you compare that to Joker, who was first in PER. He leads his team in all categories, but the Nuggets are the sixth seed. And Giannis, second in PER, leads team in three categories, but he's the fourth seed. I think the player who best fits the MVP criteria, not just in terms of individual stats, but also team success, has been Joel Embiid. That's tough because the East is such a tightened race, and Embiid is one right now, but that can change in a couple of days. So my thing is, would in a couple of days, if Giannis propels to one, for example, mm-hmm. or if Tatum propels to one, would you switch and say, oh, I think Giannis might be an MVP? Because I think, like, in the East, it's hard to use, like, for just the top four teams specifically, the Bucks, Boston, well, Miami doesn't have no MVP candidate. So for the Bucks, Boston, and Philly, they can change within the coming days. Does that does your MVP vote change because of the record, or it still would be Embiid? It, it's going to fluctuate depending on the record. But I think Philly will end up with the first seed in the East. Right now, it is Philadelphia. Right now, they, but it can change they have tonight. The tiebreaker with because, Miami because Tatum Celtics are a half game back. They play Minnesota, so Tatum can literally go up to one after tonight. And another thing with Tatum is since the All Star break, he's shooting 51, 44, and ninety from the field, from from the field three point and fee, and from the free throw line. When he's on the fort, the Celtics average sixteen point seven more points per hundred possessions with him on the floor. He is and has been. Amazing for the Celtics and is the main reason for their success. You look at their team play for sure, it has been stellar. And they really have done a great job of accepting their roles on the squad. But it all starts with the play of Jason Tatum. I have trouble putting Jason Tatum in that MVP conversation. I don't have trouble. He's not in the MVP conversation. So you do have trouble with, with putting him in the MVP conversation? No, I have no trouble. I, I don't have Because he, he's saying he has trouble with me. He, it's like a maybe, maybe not. I, there's, I, can, there's I no can't maybe. put Tatum the over. The Celtics have been better than Philadelphia. No, I the can't. Celtics have been better as of recently than Philadelphia. For the past two, three months? Yeah, That's, recently, a, that's a decent NBA, amount of time NBA in NBA. has been dominant all year. Remember, but, remember this also. The Sixers right now are the first seed in the Eastern Conference despite for the majority of the season not having a max player playing for them in Ben Simmons and not having any return on him. They just got James Harden. Remember, no, they were listen, first seed until Embiid went down with, with, in the beginning of the year. And this is no slight to what Joel Embiid and what the Philadelphia 76ers are doing this season. He's been amazing. Jokic has been amazing. 
Giannis has been amazing. You think Tatum is on Giannis and beat or Joker's level? We're talking about three of the top like six, seven NBA That's players. What I'm asking in my you. opinion, Tatum is right there on that cusp of number eight. Tatum is that great. But I'm talking about in this in the MVP race, is he over Joker and Bede or Giannis? You could you could you could argue with his so. play of recent that he should be in that top three, top two conversation. He has been unbelievable and he's number one in plus minus in the NBA. His defense has been the best at the wing position this season. We just need to start taking into account everything. If we didn't take into account everything, you keep talking about the I past am, two months. And we're months, talking about not. winning also. No, but you're not. You're talking about the in the past two months, in the past two months, you keep saying that. And what the Boston Celtics have done, no, it's been incredible. But if you're going to take into account everything, take into account from start to finish, who's been the best players? It's been those three it, guys but, from start to and finish. Realistically, what or when have we seen a team with a new head coach immediately off rip just be this completely different team? Steve Kerr. You're not giving, well, we're already talking about a team. Nick Nurse. Okay. But Damn. That, that's a. <laughs> that was a good list. <laughs> that was a good list. I ain't going That's front. pretty fair. That's pretty Jason fair. Jason Tatum doesn't have a better MVP case than Devin Booker. He does. No, he doesn't. He does. No, he doesn't. They have the same numbers. They average around the same numbers. Tatum One guy more points. Is, is, is about to get 60 wins. He already and has Devin, 60 wins. And Devin, okay, he already has he already 60 wins. And, and again, D Book. Is second in defense rating amongst amongst guards in the NBA. And number one is Jason Tatum at his position. Okay, and D-Book is second. So how does Tatum For have guards, a better argument? By the way, by the way, on his 60th win, 49 and 10. Yeah, 49 points 49 and 10 points. Since the All-Star game, 50, yeah, 40, and 90. since the All-Star game. I'm saying for his season, Devin Booker and the Suns have been season, dominating. And, uh, uh, this thing is, season, Kurt is not a, Kurt is not a, it was like when he was, when he came into the league, he was a rookie coach. Yes, that was his first coach being a head coach. First e, time. E, exactly. <laughs> Ime similarly was put in a situation where last season the Celtics underperformed. They were not the team that, that, they were expected to be early on. It translated into this season, especially with the new coach. It was hard for the players to really give in. But Ime got the best out of his players. The players all came together, and they they came to that conclusion of, we need to accept our roles. I understand that, yes, you look at it from the start of the season to now, the Celtics have not been that. But why can't we give credit where credit is due, where it took them some time, they adjusted, and now are arguably the best team in the NBA. It's, it's okay to give them credit, but it's okay. We have to also look at the other guys who've been from start to finish dominant. I'm not. I can't. I, can't, I refuse to credit another guy for his success with his team that they've been doing it for two months over a guy who's been dominant See, with but, his team but, all year. But look at it like this: you have guys like Joel, and this is not. I'm just saying they're sim- in similar opinion to Joel, where people believe that. As great as Booker is, he's not the most important player on his team. You can't look at the Celtics and think that Jason Tatum isn't the most important player on his team. You can make arguments that defensively he's not. But again, he's... No, defensively he's not. He's, Rob Will Rob is more important. Yeah, Marcus Smart, Smart is more important. Than okay, him. all right. But defensively. Off, offensively, there's no way he's around it. Okay, yes. And even still, he's putting up the best numbers defensively at the wing position. I agree. He's not the best defensive player for them. You have Rob Williams. You have Marcus Smart. But he's still contributing at a high level you, defensively. You are making a case for Devin Booker to be in the conversation. I'm Otherwise, not saying Tatum. I'm not um, for Tatum being conversation. I'm not saying Tatum doesn't deserve to be in there. But over what, Booker, in my opinion, what exactly specifics comparing them side by side? Why would you put Tatum over Devin Booker in the MVP conversation? Offensively, he's been just slightly better, and defensively, Tatum has been the best at that position. That's my argument, and I feel like that's pretty fair. And over these last with you saying games, that with you saying that Tatum has been the best at his position, whatever. Devin Booker is second in defensive rating amongst guards 
in the NBA. He's been great. I understand it's not the perfect stat. I know defense rating is more of a team stat despite that. Devin Booker has the stats. He's ninth in the NBA in scoring. His team team right now is at the 60 win mark. Mm -hmm. His team right now, he... The Suns are 52-11 with Devin Booker. He's 8-3 without CP3. So when CP3 went out, he actually jumped up his scoring. He started averaging 28 points per game and 7 assists. Devin Booker has by far a better MVP case than Jason Tatum off the record alone. See, but then I have a hard time sitting with that when we sat here at this table and you acknowledged how you believe CP3 was the you most said, what's important. The, what's their record without? Um... Eight and three without CP3. Nice. And since Jalen Brown tweeted, there's a shift. They've only lost three games. That was two and a half months ago. So what you're telling me is that Jalen Brown was the guy who led the charge. Without Jalen Brown, he's eight and seven this they, year. But that also speaks to my point of, J- this is going to now into a different conversation where Jalen Brown is so essential to the Celtics' success in terms of he is willing to accept his role as the Robin of the team. I understand and, what you're saying, but I, I don't know how you can have Tatum over Book in the, converse, in the MVP conversation. Offensively, I lean Tatum. Defensively, I You're just I lean telling Tatum. me who's the better and, player. But even still, numbers are proving it, and we're talking about this season. Statistically, I think, I think Tatum is Tatum the, has been better. I think Tatum is the better player, but he doesn't have a better MVP case in the book. What's the definition the of MVP is, to you? We are the best player. On the team. In the NBA, the best player, the most valuable player in the NBA, in my opinion, yes. That's that's what the award should be. And you think Tatum is more valuable to the Celtics than Correct. Devin Booker is, more, you know even though D they Book, were garbage with him. Because man. when Devin Booker was out of the lineup, they lost, what, one game, two games? And when, so they when played t- the Magic, the Blazers, and the Knicks. It was, he was not out for three games. I mean, I know in the the games that the that the Suns played without D book. We're, we're recalling something that happened a while ago. I'll look while you give your point. But no, it's, I'm, it's I'm fine. Just, I'll look. I, I, yeah. I'm just saying in the sense of what you're saying is fair in the sense of they've done it for a span of the season. Yes, but there was a time where people did not look at Devin Booker as the most valuable player on the Suns. That's my whole of point. Agenda. They're eight and three without D book this season. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. The games I remember what I they bo- beat they I, beat Detroit. They lost to Golden State. They beat the Spurs. They beat Boston. They lost to the Clippers. They beat Portland, Washington, Portland, the Knicks. Lost to the Bucks and beat Orlando. A lot of these teams suck. Yeah. A lot of these teams yeah. suck. And that's probably why they didn't play D-Book in these games. Listen, it's definitely a, a, a conversation to be had. And and what you're saying to me, I don't, I don't strongly disagree. I just look at the turnaround of the Celtics and how it's been Mostly due to the fact that Jason Tatum Celtics has been two out and two huge. without uh, he Jason only, Tatum. He only missed with COVID. He's played almost every. And single one of those wins season. was against Phoenix when Jalen Brown played. Yeah. It's a huge win. That's an incredible win. And that was a minute ago. We're talking about November now. Since we're on the topic of MVPs, I'm going to say this real quick, then we can move on to the next segment. Yeah. A while back, I compared John Morant to Derrick Rose because I think their play styles are very similar and. The discourse in that video was that John Morant is better than Derrick Rose. In my opinion, I don't think John Morant is better than Derrick Rose. Ja is special. But Derrick Rose was a different player. And I know that Ja has been in the MVP conversation this season. But quite frankly, he doesn't even belong in it. I don't know why John Morant is anywhere near the conversation when his team is 17-2 and without him. 
Without John Morant, the Grizzlies are one of the best teams in the NBA. You can argue they are the best team winning percentage-wise in the NBA without John Morant. How can you possibly be in the MVP discussion if your team without you is still elite? And you look at Derrick Rose compared to John Morant this season. Yes, the raw numbers lean John Morant. The efficiency leans Ja. But in 2010-2011, there were 92 possessions per game. Right now, there are 98 possessions per game. The game was slower back then, and Derrick Rose took a 41-win Bulls team to 62 wins. He played 81 games that season, and that was with Carlos Boozer missing 23 games, Joe Kim Noah missing 35 games, two of their best players essentially missing a quarter of the season, and Derrick Rose still led them to the first seed in the Eastern Conference, and this was all without spacing. The Bulls that season attempted four and a half three-pointers per game. This year, crazy. Memphis attempts 24 three-pointers a game. It's also a different NBA. You gotta it's give, a different yeah. NBA, but that's the reason that's the reason why Jaws that's the reason why Jaws numbers look better than Derrick Rose's and when we talk about impact on your team Derrick Rose had by far a better impact than John Morant I like Ja he's an exceptional player but the fact that his team is 17 and 2 without him he should be nowhere near the MVP discussion I I think at all. I like that take. Yeah, I don't dis- should, I don't I don't, I don't disagree. It. We, it just speaks volumes to how great the Grizzlies really are and their depth. It's I think it's, it poses a question of how good can your team be if Desmond Bain is your best player? Desmond Bain's a baller. He is. He's mad good. But how? What, what do you think your team's ceiling is if he's your best player? 17 and 2. I mean, Desmond Bain, when he's shown when he has the opportunity, he can excel in that role. You know who's going to get paid this offseason? Look, he's laughing. Don't think I forgot that you slept on Desmond Bain early. No, I'm that's laughing that fold. you honestly believe that they'd be really nice with 17 Desmond and Bain. two. No, that's great. But when this actual film out and now it's a whole season that you really are ready for, I don't there think is, that's the there is film on Desmond Not Bain. Really? I'm talking about him, him as him being the man. The guy? Yeah, yeah I understand I what you're saying. You know, uh, you know um, who's going to get paid this offseason? Who's been good at point guard in Jaws' absence? Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. For sure, man. He's a perfect Tom Thibodeau guard, by the way. You would love him? Yeah. Defense, he plays defense. Jalen Brunson or him? He's a playmaker. I would take Tyus Jones. Ooh, because it'd be cheaper? He fits Tom Thibodeau. To start? More. Yes. I would probably take Jalen Brunson. Why did you make your eyes like that? Because uh, now I feel like you're 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 hyping him because of his system. He, he wasn't a good backup Memphis in Minnesota. Memphis is a great system. He wasn't a good backup in young. Minnesota. You, come on. <laughs> what? No, I'm being serious. He was young. He was young? You don't think... Who who fits Tom Thibodeau more? Brunson or He Ty played Jones? with Tom Thibodeau. Jay- you do know that, right? He was young, bro. Jalen <laughs> Jalen Brunson feels like he fits in that New York vibe. He played with under Jay Wright. I like... I like Jay Wright is kind of like Tom Thibodeau. I like Jalen Brunson for you guys. In Minnesota, his final year, he averaged seven points and five assists. He's a good he's backup. Been, no, I think he's a good, good backup, yeah. but starter... I think defensively he brings a lot to the table. Uh, yeah. you don't I think Jalen Brunson does. No, he's not a good defender. I'll, I'll, I like I'll, Brunson. Oh no, I feel like he just fits the Knicks more. Okay, is Brunson not a good defender? I don't know about his defense. No, he's not a no? good defender. He's not a good defender. On to the next topic, the Miami Heat. This past week hasn't been the best for them. They're on a four-game losing streak at the time of this recording. They now have fallen to the second seed. The four games have been the Nets, the Knicks the Warriors, the Sixers. In this season, the Heat had have had five three-game losing streaks. So this isn't their first skid. We all saw the viral video of Jimmy Butler and Udonis has them getting into it. 
Udonis Haslam said to Jimmy Butler, I'd beat your ass. Clown. And they got into it. Even Eric Spolstra asked Jimmy Butler if he wants to fight him. That was crazy. In, in the middle of the game. Miami so gets crazy. I, I want to know your guys' thoughts. Do you think that the Heat right now are imploding? And Drew, you have said all year that you're not a believer in the Heat. I'm so not. I want to hear from you first. All right, say no more. This four-game losing streak specifically has been a tough one. Against Philadelphia, no Harden, no Embiid, they lose. Against this, the Golden State Warriors, no Clay, no Steph, no Dre, they lose. Lose to the Knicks. I don't have to say anything else there. And then you get smoked by the Nets last night. It's been a tough, tough road for them. And the reason why I have been skeptical about the Heat as a whole is because I can't trust their offense. In terms of, I don't know if they have the firepower to compete to compete against top teams in the East that are not only great defensively, but also great offensively. Milwaukee Bucks, the Celtics, I'll throw in the Philadelphia 76ers. And for the matter of fact, I'll also throw in the Brooklyn Nets, who they could potentially face in the first round of the playoffs. The way things are shaking out right now, the Nets have are get, are having everything perfectly aligned. We're now Kyrie Irving's allowed to play in home games and away games. And so you have to look at the fact that now the Nets are most likely going to be the seventh seed and are going to be playing against the number two Wait, seed, who which I don't is think right Kyrie now playing Canada though. Yes, but Toronto's the sixth seed right now. Oh, so you're projecting that they'll stay there, correct? In Cleveland, okay, okay, correct. So there's there's a possibility where the Heat might have to play the Nets in that first round, and oh. there's a strong chance that the Heat get bounced in the first round. I just. As much as I look at their team defensively, and I have to give them that credit where credit is due, offensively, I have had my reservations, and I will continue to have these reservations on a team where Jimmy Butler, down the stretch, he goes ghost at times, especially this season. And I give him the benefit of the doubt. He's been struggling with injuries this season, five sprained ankles, which is crazy to to to, to really think about. But he's had his struggles. Bam out of bounds, inconsistent offensive play. He's amazing defensively, no doubt about it, but he's been inconsistent offensively. And then Kyle Lowry, who's been, to a degree, a shell of what the the Heat had expected going into this season. He's really been a letdown to a degree. And Tyler Hero, to to an extent, coming back to reality where he hasn't been as efficient, as dominant as he was earlier in the season. And, of course, it's when it matters most, coming down the stretch of the regular season where you're fighting for those top seeds, you're you're trying to gain some confidence in preparation for the playoffs. So are they starting to implode? I don't know if I would go as far to say implode. They've had great team chemistry for the past couple of seasons, but in terms of my confidence level in them, it's still the same as it's been throughout the entirety of the season. I'm not high on the heat, and there is a strong possibility they can get bounced in the first round. I was never high on Heat, never believed in Heat, didn't think they were title contenders. Joel, what did? <laughs> title contenders is I nuts, never thought man. they'd come out the East just because of the simple fact that they just, Jimmy Butler's their best player offensively. I didn't think relying on guys like Tyler Hero, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, whatever, however you say his name, was going to work. They've been they've been the they've been one of the worst teams in the league in efficiency in this stretch. They've been sloppy. They've been turning the ball over defensively. They haven't been themselves. For sure. I don't want to say Kyle Lowry has been a shell of I just think he's been in a role and of what they've expected from him. I think he's playing a role, and it's like he's play, like he's kind of like succumbed to what he's used to. But I, I like I'm not gonna really go too deep into Kyle Lowry because it's been a team thing. Sure. Jimmy Butler has been struggling defensively. The team hasn't been there. Spo has to get it together. Do I think? 
They're imploding. No. Do I think the Nets can beat them? Duh. I thought it when the Nets were struggling. I thought it when the Nets weren't struggling. I think the Nets can beat anybody. But I also think Miami doesn't like Miami is such a weird team because in the regular season they're gonna be great. They're gonna be great. But in the playoffs, star power usually tends to win out. And they in a lot of series, they probably have the weakest star, not saying Jimmy's trash or nothing like that. So they have a, a, a group of role players that's really good that fits the system. But when you have a group of role players, you need that guy. You always, it doesn't matter how good your role players are, you need that guy. Kobe Bryant had great role players. He was still that guy. LeBron, when he won, he had a great role players, was still 100%. that guy. He still had those games where Caruso needed to step up. KCP, no Kobe Bryant had Ron Artest, Pau Gasol, Derek Fisher hit some shots. You still need that guy to eventually win it all for you. And I don't think the Miami Heat have that guy. The Miami Heat right now <laughs> are imploding. <laughs> this has been a ship that I've been on. That Oh, my God. You couldn't even finish the season with him. That right now, I'm jumping ship. I'm jumping off the ship. Respect. Respect. And this is the reason why. I love their depth. I love their tenacity. The, the DNA they have defensively, I loved it to begin, begin the season. But I think injuries ruin the heat. I think too too far often this season they've been playing with multiple guys. I think their main core didn't get enough play together this season, and now that they're all for the most part together, you can kind of see these stretches of offensive inconsistency. They lost against Philly without Embiid and without Harden. They got outscored by six in the second half. They lost to Golden State. Oh, Golden State outscored by fourteen in the second half in a blowout loss without Steph. And then against the Knicks, they blew a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter to a Knicks team without Julius Randle. Emmanuel quickly had 20 points in the fourth quarter alone. Yep. And he beat them himself. <laughs> I look at the Heat, and defensively, I really don't have much concerns, but it's really offensively where I'm, where I'm really concerned. In crunch time, and for those out there that's watching, crunch time is measured by a game within five points in the last five minutes of the game, they get outscored by eight points per 100 possessions in crunch time. They have the fifth worst offense in crunch time at 98.4 points per game per 100 possessions, which is trash. That's one of the least efficient offenses in the NBA. And Tyler, in the stretch or just in the season? Um, In the season. Okay. And Tyler Hero leads the team in fourth quarter minutes and scoring. Yikes. I love Tyler Hero. I don't know if he can be your main option going into the playoffs in the fourth quarter. For sure. Kyle Lowry is somebody that I don't have much faith in. I think he's getting older. His age is showing. We've seen before in the playoffs, even in his prime, he disappears in games. Jimmy Butler has always been good and steady in the playoffs, but he's never been a superstar or exceptional or elite. And I think the bubble run, more specifically the finals, his finals yeah, performances finals. really flawed the way or really skewed the way people view Jimmy Butler because he's not that type of player. Bam Adebayo still has his offensive inconsistencies. And you're right. You can't really rely on role players. And this X factor I've been thinking could be Victor Oladipo all year He's averaging six points per game. He's played in six games. He's been inefficient. He's coming back from an injury. But I don't know with three weeks left in the season if he can make a proper comeback and be himself again. Mm -hmm. And even then, Oladipo's not the same player he once was. 
Unfortunately, he's never recovered from his ACL injury that he suffered in Indiana. Not only do I think the Nets can beat the Heat, I think the Raptors can upset the Heat in the first round. They're 2-1 and one against them this year. Bam, Hero, and Jimmy Butler played in all those games. Kyle Lowry didn't play in those games. I think the Raptors can keep the game close. Defensively, their versatility, they can match up with Miami. And I think the Raptors can make a series against the Heat absolute hell, and they can upset them. Bro, <laughs> you just it's just be left field sometimes. Yeah, nah, like it, that take just also, took me left field, it's also, man. It's, I, but a lot's going in my mind right now. The fact that you know, obviously, you were pretty high on the heat, which is fine. People were was high that on the, the take heat. When you was like, it was going to surprise people. No, that that wasn't even so the take. Oh my god! It's just from one extreme to the other with you, which is why you <laughs> kill me sometimes. But you know what? To a degree, it, the it Raptors is, can match up not, well against a lot of teams. The I problem with Toronto is their depth stinks. And they they run their guys. Their 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 five guys play a lot of minutes, and they're it's tired. It's a great five. It, no, it's it's an exceptional five. Yeah. It's one of the best fives yeah. in the East. Yeah. But the thing is, they don't have any back end talent. You know what I'm saying? And it, like, Thad Young is playing better. Who'd you say? Thad Young. Uh, they they got like this. Achua is playing I think, better too. I think Bam. I think solid. Bam can have a real field day in, in that series because I think the the problem with Toronto is they lack size. He can, but but Bam and, and Siakam. Oh, I think Bam can will really give hell to Siakam. Honestly, I, I, think I really believe that's that. He kind of underrating this, this Siakam in his Talk play this season. I think whether you put Siakam, Scotty, OG on Jimmy, they can neutralize him. I think Gary Trent's a good defender. I think Fred Van Vliet is better than Kyle Lowry right now for He's sure. Easy. That's with my eyes closed. Yeah, but it I think- really the, the series is going to come down to Pascal Siakam, and if he can be 100%. efficient in the playoffs, that's such a fact. And I trust the way that Pascal has been playing this season. I trust that he can do that against Bam. The thing is, Bam's a great defender, yes, but I think his, they would put his, PJ on him. His play is also much too. more than just his scoring. Like a very underrated That's part of his game is Butler, facilitating. Though. I think the series would be a draw. But then, Pascal Siakam doesn't need to be the highest scorer in the series for them you to say get the same past thing them. For Jimmy Butler, I disagree. He needs to be the highest scorer against player. Toronto. Yes, to beat Toronto. Yes, I don't think he needs to be the highest scorer to beat Toronto. And you know, I, I was watching some post game interviews from some of the Heat players, and they all. I think it was Lowry or. Jimmy or Spolstra, I don't know which one it was exactly, but I know one of them said that their DNA is to bounce back from things and they've proven themselves. The Heat have just went on one run. The very next year, they got smoked out by Milwaukee. You this know, is their third year together. This, this team, this Miami Heat team. This is a new team. We don't of. we don't know what they are. Yeah. They haven't. They don't have a track record of proving that they're this elite, great team. They don't. This is this is a brand new team. This is a team that has to prove themselves after being embarrassed last season. They have to now prove themselves. I don't disagree. Somebody said this, and I don't know what your take on it is going to be. They said this Miami Heat team feels like the 1990s Knicks. They're great defensively, but offensively they're they're very bad. They're not good. I mean, I'm not disagreeing at all. I've been saying this completely all season. Hmm. I don't know how many times I've actually said that exact statement on this show. I mean, in terms of like 20. the tenacity, in terms of the way they play gritty, hard every night, I, I could see. I could. They see don't it. have a Patrick Ewing. Yeah, I, I could see the personality though. The personality. Yeah, you ask Riv, they have Patrick Ewing. Bam Adebayo. 
you know, I'm not even gonna, <laughs> not even gonna get into that. I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm man. I'm just being cause honest. Because I think Bam would lock Siakam. That's not a tall time. Like, no, not, no. Let me not say that's your, not a tall time. Your, but your Bam praise, is a, your praise for Bam. He's an elite defender. No, you treat him like he's the second coming of Christ himself. He's an elite defender with offensive play that is spotty. Do you think the Heat are going to lose in the first round? Yeah. If they play the Nets, yes. Yeah. I, I would. T- if they play the Nets, I would definitely. If they play the Raptors, what do you think? I think it's a for really me, great series. For me, the Raptors have always been the hardest five games in the East, but they lose. Like, I think the Raptors would make any series tough, but they'd lose. I'll tell you what, I would pick the Raptors in a seven-game series. I'd take Heat. And if they play Cleveland, I'm taking Heat. It's not like Nurse is a scrub coach either, so it would be really... Spoke a, clears. Okay. As it doesn't matter who... Like, on the East, it doesn't that's, matter. But that's not, my, that's not my point. By saying that, I'm saying that it's not as if Spoke is such a tremendously great I coach is. that... Nurse is a player coach. But the thing is... Even still, Nurse still gets the best out of his guys. I, no, I get it. Nurse is a player code, but in terms of the X's and O's schemes and all that, spoke clears. I agree, but Nurse is not a scrub coach. Is what I uh, that was essentially my main point. I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. They still that's still an L in that department. Yeah, for sure. I'm talking about one of the best coaches us, in the NBA. In spoke. Most of us here are pretty low on the Heat. I recently become oh, most a of member of it. I just jump ship. Oh, okay. I'm not coming welcome, back on it. I'm not. I'm swimming, that's, I'm swimming that's, away. Res- that's one of his more respectable things. No, I'm glad you. This I'm glad you jumped ship before it, the playoffs. To make it clear. I'm actually going to just wait till the playoffs start to to talk about the teams that I'm jumping ship on. There we I go. Just, that's, no, that's valid because yeah. I don't want to hear it today, and then he changes that day. So I, I have, I have teams already in mind that I know that I'm going to be on their we ship. We need the Bulls healthy, man. We need them healthy. I'm not trying to jump ship on them. Speaking about the Bulls, there we go. I've never been on this ship to begin with. And it's funny because the goalposts. But before the but before the season is funny. Key. You know, I apologize to Bulls fans at the start of the season. Now, I was thinking about it the other day. Because I was like, man, I've been way too reactionary. I've been way too friendly with my apologies lately. Did the Bulls really deserve an apology? We're sitting almost at the end of the season, and the Bulls are exactly where I thought they'd be as a fifth seed. So we'd be six. And No, I said fifth. You look said at six. my Look at my Twitter. I said fifth. Um, the fifth seed, and the, the role player, Alonzo, spot-up shooter, take age tremendously well he's been hurt because he's well even when he's played he 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 has worse stats than he had in with the pelicans but part of the reason i was low on the bulls was because you guys assembled so much talent so quickly and traded a lot of young assets and one of the trades was trading for nikola vucevic who at the time was averaging a career high 24 and 11 you traded wendell carter jr for him franz wagner a first round pick that became franz wagner and a 2023 first-round pick also. And looking at this season, Vucevic and Wendell Carter, you can argue Wendell Carter Jr. has been better. So yeah. you as a Bulls fan, what do you think about this trade in hindsight? Wait, let me ask you a quick what, question. What are your feelings quick about question. it? Just, uh, if you, if this, we, this sounds backhanded, man. Quick question. This if we, um, if we would have kept that pick, who do you think we would have picked? <laughs> Just to Davion toss Mitchell. Up. You think we would have picked Davion? I, I don't know. If, I don't think you guys pick Franz, personally. Yeah. Um, but it's not far fetched to say you pick Franz. Well, because we don't get Demar, so we would essentially. Um, okay, so you said yes. Wendell has been better than Vuce at his worst. Congratulations. You know he's been better than the worst version of Vucevic. A lot of people are, but I think this 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 move we made. First of all, we got a new GM. What well, we got a new guy, AK. Mm-hmm, he's been incredible mm-hmm. for us. Um, this move we had to make. It it was no like there's no 
thinking twice about it. There was no looking in hindsight. This is a bad move because this is a, we want to be competitive. We want to make the playoffs. It's been a long time, 2017, I believe, since we've made the playoffs. Wendell Carter Jr., has he improved in Orlando? Yes. Is that a different situation than what we were in? Absolutely. Orlando's one of the worst teams in the league. We were trying to be competitive. Yeah. So we were moving on to a different scenario. So Wendell has been great in that department. When he was with us, nagging injuries, inconsistent. So he was good, to be fair. Just the injuries. That's what I said. That's why I said inconsistent. He'll play good, get hurt, come back, struggle, then get hurt, then come back. Like, it was too much inconsistency with Wendell. It just wasn't going to work. So to get Vooch, who essentially DeMar has said in multiple interviews that he's the reason he came to Chicago, to get Vooch, ultimately to bring in DeMar, I think you don't think twice about that move because at the end of the day, we as much struggles that we've had lately, we're still a competitive team. I'll tell you, my problem with the Bulls, when they made all these trades, like signing DeMar and all this stuff, I was like, I feel like they're making all these moves just to f- be a first, second round exit in the Eastern Conference. And at this point in time, you can say that you're trending towards being a first round exit. This is also you, our first you, year together. You traded away future assets. They're not healthy for that, which is what really is the tarnish on the Bulls right now. When they were healthy, so, they were one of the best because, teams because in the league. We, is no, what but, I mean. but I don't think so because this is a fresh new roster. This is a new roster. Lonzo's new. Demar's new. Caruso's new. Vooch is still essentially new because he came at the All Star break. He didn't get to play with Zach a lot last year. So this is a this is that's five that's five new people. And Billy Don Billy Donovan, like this is a new this is a whole new process. So our first year, I feel like, would still be deemed a success because we still made the playoffs. We're still a competitive and you team. Tremendously improved from last season. Zach's still young. Pat Will is still young. Kobe White's young. Lonzo's young. These are still young Caruso. players. He's not. Isn't he, he is. He is. He okay. is. All right. He's over twenty six. It's still relatively. Yeah, but young. I'm not. I know. I know what you're saying. But Vucevic is an unrestricted free agent after next season. Um, Lonzo Ball, I know what he's going to be. Caruso, he's good. He's a good role player. Um, Kobe White, one thing. Are I'll you guys going to bring him back? What if he gets an offer sheet from another team? To say we you know what Lonzo's going to be is kind of you say that disrespectfully. No, I just know what he's going to be. He's a good role player. A great role player. He's a one of the best player. role players. Okay, you can say that. All right, good. I'm glad we but can agree I, on that. He had the know, second best defensive rating when he played. I know what Lonzo's going to be though. A gr- I, he could I be know, a great role what, player. I know what he provides. He could be that's the best I, number I, that's three. That's what I'm saying. On, and on a team. I think you guys have been a bit too high on Pat Will. He hasn't played this year. No, I know, but I just think Pat Will is going to be a good, fine player. But he's also a guy trending in that good role player. You haven't even seen him play. I have not this season, but last season we've seen. Tell him, him play. about the baby claw, bro. He's played one season. You don't know what he's going to. He, you literally. You think right. it's Kawhi Leonard? Hold on, no, I, no, I'll be playing. That's literally what the draft guys used to call him, the Paul, because of his hands are comparable to Kawhi. That's why they call the him Paul. That. Is yeah, tough. That's why they it's call him tough. that. But you've watched one season of him, which he were he was checking stars as a rookie and doing great, and then you know what he's going to be? No, Lonzo, I feel like I can understand he could Lonzo. be a great role player. I think Pat Will is going to be an elite defender for sure. Elite defender is huge, though. I know. I, that's not a bad thing. And it's not like he needs to be this prolific scorer when you have Zach. He's already a 40% three-point shooter now as a spot-up. What do you like? I just feel like you guys aren't going to be better than the top teams in the East moving forward. Who are the top teams? I think we could be better. I don't think you guys are going to be better than Milwaukee anytime soon. I don't think you're going to be better than Philly with Harden anytime soon. With with the Nets, that is that that can be a conversation. It depends on what Harden you're getting. With the Nets and Kyrie and KD, and then being back next year, you're not going to be better than them. And the Celtics, I figured it out. You won't be better better than them. I think. I think. I think. And the Knicks are coming up too. I think this is you. Being a hater, 
So a lot of your, a lot of your, a lot of the things you're saying is just very, very much Spitfire, Spitfire, Spitfire. Mm. You think so? Yeah, Boston mm. to a degree. Yeah, yeah, to a degree. I yeah. feel like I'm spitting a lot of facts. I don't. Th- uh, you, you did spit the truth facts. Hurts. Uh, you did, I mean, you did spit a little bit of facts about Milwaukee. That's facts. Giannis is going to be Nets aren't, the Nets aren't facts. The Nets are the playing team right now. Stop. There is, there you is know no, why? You but, know why? You know why? You know why? Katie was hurt. Kyrie was a part time. Now they're that's both my, on the but, court but together. That's, but, but that's my point, though. We don't. We don't know. We don't know. Kyrie's not a part time no more. Yeah, but Kyrie also is a free agent. We don't. He. We. We'll get into this. He's a free agent. Yeah, that's what, but that's what I'm saying. We don't know what we're going to be. That's all I'm saying. Like, the Nets is still a mystery. We don't know still, where we're going to be. Come on. Boston, we can, we can definitely be better Why in Boston. Nah, nah, definitely is crazy. We can be better in Tatum Boston. Tatum is an ascending superstar. Tatum clears every player on What's your team. What's that smoke that's you fine. give? That's fine. Jalen Brown doesn't clear neither of our guys. I agree with that, but Jalen Brown is he's the fourth. Can you really count on DeMar fourth. being this great every season, like, after this? Like, this is the first time we've seen DeMar taken to this level. Riv said it perfectly before the show. He said he was playing elite to start the season. He's been playing great no, of recent, as the which playoffs, is fair. As the playoffs come closer, that's what you expect. Yeah. I mean, you just said, could you expect him to play great when he's been playing great for like the past seven, eight years? No, I'm saying, but this level is MVP well, I, 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 level. I, I don't think elite. he'll be elite, but I think he can play great. Okay. I think Zach so. can take that level. So all, all this to say that you wouldn't redo this trade back. You don't miss why Wendell I, Carter why Jr. Why would I miss Wendell Carter Jr.? And Franz. Let's just live in this season. Let's live in that scenario. You said 15 and 10? 15 and 10. Vooch is at 18 and 10. Okay, 18, but Wendell's more efficient. 18, 11, 4, 1, and, and 1. And he's struggling. Eight, Wendell's more efficient. And Franz Wagner, 15 point per game scorer, too. Well, we wouldn't pick Franz. You just said that. I, I don't know. Maybe you guys do pick Franz. And I don't we, know. we, I have we no wouldn't idea. have DeMar and we'd suck. But let's live let's live in that scenario. Okay, so we have Franz. we will have Lonzo, mm-hmm. Zach, Caruso, Franz, mm-hmm. um, Pat Will, then Wendell. Oh, you don't have Vooch. I'm we don't sorry. get yes. Vooch. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. That's I'm our sorry. five. You think DeRozan really doesn't come, though? He, he's literally have said it in multiple interviews. That's why, like, I don't think you really went in here and he didn't. Ex- he explained that to me also because they went to, to school together. That, he, that, well, I know, I know factor. the history. That's of it. our five. But the, is that a plan team? But the Bulls were. Is the, that a plan team? But the Bulls offered Demar the back. Yeah, is that a, is that a plan team? Yeah, it is. You think so? Without Demar, no. Zach? Without Demar, no. With Zach, we're talking about we're talking about like. This, in, just, I think you asking me a plan team. Uh, wow. All right, a big reason why I'm not. Completely. That means like 10-19 too, though. 10th and 9th seed as well. We were like 11th last year. 11th to 12th. So you guys could have been playing with that roster. And then we possibly don't win the playing, so we're back to square one. Listen, do I but love... But you have your assets for the future. We still have our assets for the future. Not all of them. We have four assets. Imagine you guys picked Ayo with this with the young group of that. But, that, that but we still picked Ayo. I know. I'm just saying, you know, what are I'm, not, you saying? I'm not saying I'm not saying I, I think in hindsight, you've literally just you have said what I'm saying. You, hold on, hold on, you have said Wagner's going to be a good player. So you basically said, yo, you get Wendell and a good player. You're good. That's what you're saying. Essentially, we're, we're, we're fine. I'm as honest, opposed to not having DeMar. I guess in my Vooch. conclusion That's ridiculous. to ridiculous. My conclusion ah, the to thing this is DeMar is what makes this a different conversation. That's Wendell what and Vooch. My conclusion to this. Both of them? I know, you're right. That's what makes it fair. Listen, my conclusion to this. What is your conclusion, young man? Is that the Magic easily won this trade. They're, they have 10 wins. They did win this trade. But they, they won have, this trade. They, have they our, traded they have away pick, right? an aging star. We won't be a, play, a non-playoff team. But they got Franz But and they wanted Wendell. to rebuild. Uh, and we the, wanted to be competitive. Magic, so how did they win? The Magic. we both won. Because ultimately, no, 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 you the guys. The Magic won this trade easily. You guys made The Magic fleeced you. How did they fleece us? The Magic fleeced you because they gave up an aging, aging star player. in Vucevic yep. 
Four, Wendell Carter Jr. is averaging 15 and 10 be? this season. What is he going to be? Fra- he's going to be a very good defender, very good five in the, in the NBA. They they got Franz Wagner, who's, <laughs> okay. who's going to be a first-team all-rookie this season and a first-round pick and in 2023. A, and a very good player. Fra- maybe Franz exceeded no, 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 my no, expectations. No, 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 no. You see, he no, exceeed my expectations Fra- coming out of college. Franz no, I'm, I'm, I'm going off his mindset. Uh, he, you said— I just said, you maybe think, he can You think Wendell's going to be a good player. So essentially, we traded—they traded a borderline all-star— for a good young player, and we it's basically Wendell and Demar versus Wagner and I mean, pardon me, Demar and Vooch versus Wagner and Wendell. I I don't I think Demar if he gets the bag is still going to Chicago, bro. I'll be honest, you, you, I really you, do. No, I understand, but Demar's value was low. People I'm, were I'm shocked just, he went to Chicago. I'm telling you, I'm just I can only tell you what he said, bro. I can't tell you. what I'm he looking said. at this trade. As it is, I'd rather have Wendell Franz, a first round pick, than Vucevic. Simple as that. It's not just Vucevic, though. That's why I think you're you're missing the trade. Well, the party. trade is just Vucevic. No, 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 no. I'm but the, about the, the trade. no, no, no. Because you have to think of everything. We get Vuce now. Demar comes. It's like it's 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 a hand in hand deal. Mm. That's why we didn't lose the trade because we get Demar. Now we're competitive again. We're back to winning basketball. I'm skeptical. We keep that team. We're not winning basketball. And Zach's like, and if Zach stays and if he comes out and he says. I want to stay because I want to play with Demar and Vooch. That even makes this trade another more win. That's that's that, a main. That, that's that makes my the main trade another I, more I, win. I am see, I promise you, he's not staying if we have Wendell Carter Jr. That was my in that main pick. argument. You had to do something I, to want to know, make Zach Levine want to stay. But I am skeptical. Of course, you of are. the fact that Demar does not even consider Chicago if Vucevic is not there. I understand they were college teammates, but as long as he sees Zach there. And the Bulls are offering him a bag. That's what I He's also going said to the Bulls. To you, I'm telling you, I'm just telling what you what he said. What team was though. offering I, that I, much can money? Can I not only tell you what he said? I understand. He but said, you it's think. not like he said it once. He said it. It's been the same song in multiple interviews. But the thing is, it's not like Zach Sumbum. Like Zach no, is a top, top, top three, top four different. shooting guard in Zach, the league. Zach is different. But that's what I'm, I'm just telling you what he said. He said his problem. He went there because of Vooch. That's what he said. The songs have remixes. I understand. That's what he said. I mean, okay, that's okay. That's what he said, and I'm not believing 100% what he said. Maybe you. that's my fault. Oh, all right. You don't want to believe him. I can't. I can't not even believe him. But we get Vooch. Now we have Demar. Now Zach probably is going to stay. Win, 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 win. They. I'm not saying Magic lost. They won too. They got their. He's playing okay. great for them. They got their pick. It's a win win on both sides. I wouldn't say a lose lose because we're they're the worst team in the league. We're competitive. A lose win. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think it is a win win also. Thank you. Yeah, I, man. I you made some really great points. Got his hater on the left side. He, no, he, the Knicks are coming. Coming yeah. where? <laughs> RJ Barrett. Like, where? Like, come on. Third seed. Like, this guy. Like, where, where are you guys coming? Like, come on, bro. I'll tell you what, Joel. You're being hard on the Bulls. He's a hater. He has to, he has to continue the, the rivalry. I understand. It's not really a rivalry right it's now, not. but he has to continue that. I get it. You know what I'm saying? You know, he has Randall, Mitch, Jericho Sims playing, Taj Gibson. RJ, you can't forget it. Star oh, yeah, J. Yeah, I'm sorry, Star J. Star J. You gotta. Yeah. Who he would trade for Donovan Mitchell. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Because wouldn't you want to keep them together? I would, but I, you know, if you gotta I go, you gotta go, you gotta go. Trade so one. you can just have, you know, you'd upgrade a Donovan Mitchell, but then your team is still mediocre. I don't know, maybe. I mean, you'll be mediocre for years. You guys suck. Before we go on to the next segment, college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long. 
for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer a question like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, on to the next part of the show. We're going to have Ryan Hammer, who's very knowledgeable about college basketball, to come and talk to us about March Madness and answer some of the more grueling questions about the top prospects in college basketball. Okay, we are now back, and we're joined by Ryan Hammer. Yes, sir. Yes, thanks sir. Thanks for being on the show. Let's talk some college basketball. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to finally get on. Pleasure having you on, dude. So, first off, we're in the Elite Eight right now. Um, Houston is going to face Villanova, and Villanova won. Arkansas versus Duke yesterday. Duke won. Smoke show. And today, Miami and Kansas, UNC versus St. Peter's. Who do you think is going to win in these two matchups? I mean, I know we're all rooting for St. Peter's at least. You right? already know. You, except uh, this yeah. guy over here. <laughs> Terrible New Jerseyan. I mean, like, it's it's the seed differences are is crazy in this one, kind of like the kind of like Kansas, Miami. Um, but it's it's tough to say. Like, I don't think St. Peter's, I wouldn't pick them if I'm like making a pick gun to my head, but like they can win, man. Like they the teams they have beaten so far, the three teams, all rely on talent and athleticism over tactics and scheme. And they kind of like get streaky. And North Carolina is another team like that. They play hero ball. They took 31 threes last game. They rely on someone to get streaky. So I'm hoping that St. Peter's runs that three two zone today to really shut down RJ Davis, Caleb Love. Uh, I'll be bold. I'll take St. Peter's to go to the Final Four. Let's in that go. Game. That's I'll what we it. need right here. It's, yeah. it's crazy, too, because you think about it, like UNC is also a team people were counting out in in this postseason. And then St. Peter's also another team, obviously on a bigger yeah, scale. No uh-huh. But UNC, people were thinking they were going to lose in the first round. And then the second round, they didn't think they would do it. And both of these teams, underdog mentality, now are about to see each other. It's kind of crazy. You think that game against Duke completely changed their season around? Yeah. Low-key, man. They Definitely. smoked them. And that was a really good momentum for them going into March. So at this point, who do you guys have going to the, basically making it to the championship? Well, my final four, I had um, Gonzaga in it. They flopped. Purdue, they flopped. But I had Kansas. I think like my another one, I had Kansas. And I think Kansas is probably going to win it all. Okay. I think I'm, I'm going to bank on Oche. I think his presence there, his all-around game is so incredible. And I think right now, Kansas, Remy Martin has been huge for them. So I think Kansas has been hot. So I think I'm going to go Kansas. But Duke, I ain't going to sleep on Duke because they, the num- they have the number one pick. So you, you have go. the number one That's pick. Really what you know what I'm down saying? To. Paolo has just been at a different level. Last night was like the worst shooting performance he had, and even still he was dominant. I'm just looking at the I'm looking at the, the Blue Devils and just the team chemistry they have right now, the dominance they've showed these last couple of games. Don't sleep on Adrian Griffin, man. Kansas is re- That's going to be a great game. I'm a, a I'm a college game. basketball casual, so I'm just gonna go with Duke, <laughs> just because of Paolo safe. and, co- and coach pick, and Coach bro. K. It's last like there's so many storylines going yeah. into Duke winning the whole thing, yeah. and it all stems from Coach K's last season. So it's who like do you think, like bro? You can't yeah. make it up. They've been that yeah. great, and for for him to lose his last game at home, him to come out and have yeah. that speech of bro, I just I wish Roy Williams was coaching this so last for year real, too. man, for real, crazy. So Ryan needed their separate. Years that's like true. One go out one year, one go out the other. They had to do yeah. that. Yeah. When's Jim Beheim going out? I'm, I'm waiting for that. You need it yeah. like yeah. tomorrow. It's, it's time. 
<laughs> it's time for all the old heads. It's time. Well, buddy's graduating, right? Buddy's graduating. Yeah, they're gone. Thank oh, God. Yeah, done. Yeah. Get him out of here. Yeah. I hate them too. I'm sorry, man. This is a bunch of shooters that just can't do anything else. <laughs> uh-huh. They're like poor man's Duncan Robinsons. <laughs> you hate to hear that. So, Ryan, what team do you think is going to make it to the championship and face off against each other? I'll take Duke for sure. Good title. Um, St. Peter's, like I said, against the talent, like they do well, but like that, I think that's going to be too much talent if they get there. And I'll take North. I mean, I'll take Duke in the North Carolina rematch. They've also never faced in the tournament ever. They've been so wow. good for so many years. Duncan, it's mind blowing to me. They've never faced each other. It's like even more of a storybook writing right there. Would it be Nova, um, Nova and Duke in the in the no, final? I mean, Duke, North Carolina in the Nova final four, and or Kansas, which is crazy. Four like, blue bloods. That's that's that Wait, game. Kansas right? versus St. St. Peter's. No, Kansas versus Villanova. And then St. Peter's versus who? If they win this game. Duke. They would go play, they would play Duke. They'd get, I'm not gonna lie, Duke is gonna do it to him. Like that's that, toast. that's not a game. That's I'm not toast. playing. That game is crazy. Like, that's toast. Yeah, that's 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 the end all be all Damn. for them at that point. I hate to hear that. One of one of the biggest questions that everybody is now asking when it pertains to the draft is centered around Shet Holmgren because he has a very skinny frame. And Ryan, John tells me that you've talked length about Chet Holmgren and his frame. If you're worried about it in the NBA, if you're not. What are your thoughts on it? Do you think Chet is the prospect everybody's hyping up to be? Are those concerns real? What are your thoughts on that? They're definitely real concerns. Like it, it's hard. You can't say it's not a concern. Like you look at him, and I don't know exactly what he weighs. One something probably, but um, maybe not one something. But whatever it is, and he, I just get like I get a little worked up at times. Well, like you guys, you guys are on TikTok. You know how it goes. Like people are like, uh, he sucks. He's too skinny. He's bull bull two point I'm like, mm-hmm. I like, I want. I can't wrap my head around it. I want to like bash my head into the wall at times when I hear that stuff, but. Um, I think he is a generational prospect. He is so risky because of his skill set. Like, no, we don't see guys like that. He's nothing like Bull Bull, completely different skill sets. Um, he's closer to Evan Mobley than he is Bull Bull for sure. And am I worried a little bit? Yes. But at the same time, he has, he's shown great toughness throughout the year against guys like Jalen Duran that are super, super strong. And his length like balances his lack of strength. I think very, very well. He disrupts so many shots and contends sure. so many shots. He's seven, six wingspan. Like, that's ridiculous. It's a freakish wingspan. So I'm not too worried. He's going to be one or two on my board. It's going to be him and, him and Boncaro. I still haven't decided, to be honest. I go back and forth. He's 190? Day, 190. I'm 168. I'm he's, like one. He's yeah. like a foot and some change taller. I was going to say, if only you had like 14 <laughs> inches more, man. God. In the NBA. The thing about Evan doing? Mobley, I know that there was a lot of concerns about Evan Mobley's uh, frame going into the NBA. I never thought that was a concern. Um, mm-hmm. But even between Mobley and Shet. I think Mobley had a better frame than Shet coming out of college. Like yeah. you could, you could see that Mobley was going to fill out eventually. Yeah. And he was just young. I'm not sure about Shet. Like I think Shet is going to be a fine player. He reminds me a lot of Kristaps Porzingis, like 100%. A, a high end. Yep. But I don't know if that's top two, top three pick worthy. I don't think this draft is that deep. I'm not a big fan of the players in this draft. I mean, when you look at his instincts, look at his defensive. Like, you look at the way he plays defense, you look at the way he blocks disrupt shots, you look at the fact that even though there are guys stronger than him that body him up, he's just going to block his shot. Facts. One time, two times, three times, four times. It's just, I guess, like, coming into the NBA, you know, he's he's a big, so he's going to have to see those strong type of bigs. It's just going to be a different game. But I think when you have those type of instincts and those type of skills, sometimes you got to take the risk. You know, like you said, Porzingis, they, they were, like, Porzingis wasn't as skinny, but you took the risk because his skill set. Like you, there's no way you cannot take the risk because the skill set is so superior. So if Shed doesn't get hurt, you know you can see some big things from. And he has a really long wingspan. 
I'm just ho- I'm like I'm scared for him because Victor's right after him. And I think Victor's way better than Juan so, Yeah, that's so a that, fact. He's different. Yeah, that's, that's, fact. that's the scary part for me. But I think Shed would be fine. It's just how is he gonna? How he has to be smart enough to know if I'm this skinny and I'm not gonna fill out too much. How can I impact the game? And I think he has that smartness right now. And I think that also you look at the way that he can handle the ball at seven yeah. feet. What seven feet two? Something ridiculous like seven that. One, yeah. Seven, the way that he can handle the ball, his play style is so unique for his size, his abilities. I think that that's an advantage for him too because he's not, if he were a traditional big where he was only banging down low and he could not stretch the floor the way that he can, then his frame would be a major concern for me because there are definitely going to be players in the NBA that are more dominant, that are stronger yeah, I mean, than him, like that can bully him down of low. Like Rudy Gobert, how many bigs that skinny really go down low? That's a fact. He's going he's gonna to be a four. Like I'm yeah. so confident he's going to play four. People say like, Oh, how is he going to guard Embiid and Giannis? Who can guard them? Like, nobody can guard them fact. anyway for the first part. He's got to guard guys like John Collins and like Jaron yeah. Jackson and guys that are like four fives also and like that are good, not amazing right away. And he'll get to those points where he can. He's going to have to defend Giannis because no one can better than him, obviously. But he doesn't have to hold Giannis to 15 points. Like, it's going to be nobody tough. Can. He's going to be a four, though. No. Who's your pro conference yet? I literally write. I literally wrote down Evan Mobley slash Kristaps Porzingis. If I could share my screen, I would show you all that because we talked to both of <laughs> them. But like he's who like he plays similar to Kristaps on offense. I think but he's similar to Mobley on defense. He's not. I'm not saying he's as, as good as a defender as Mobley. Like he won't be right away probably. But he like it's hard to give a comp for a guy like that. Like he's he's a freak. And you mentioned that Shet is in your top two. You're still deciding between him and, and Boncaro. Uh, who's your top five in this draft? Your top five prospects. There's definitely like Jabari was kind of one for a while and like he's fluctuated, but they're like the top three and Ivy four, like we'll call that top tier. Maybe Ivy's on like his own tier right behind the three, but Chet, Boncaro, um, I, or Jabari Smith, Ivy. And then I had AJ Griffin for a while, especially because he's only going to be a young, like 18 when he goes to the draft. But I've, I like AJ. I think he's going to end up being like seven, eight on my board at this point. I think Duran is jumping and I think Benedict Matherin is jumping. One of those two guys will be a five. Wow. Jalen Duran, you think he's making the top five? Like, you watch him, he he has like a Dwight Howard-esque role in college, at least obviously. He's going to be 18 also. Like he's so young. And I think kind of like Chet, like you have to trust in your in your player development and your front office a little bit for a guy like that that's so young. And we see guys like DeAndre Ayton that went one, obviously, where I think Dern is maybe just as good as a prospect close to as Ayton was. Like very, very similar roles they're going to play. And Ayton is so pivotal on their run to the finals last year. And like you see guys have a really good role like that. And if the, you can put them in the right position, in the right system, like it works so well. That's a good analysis, and because Jalen Dern, 6'11", 250 pounds, you can't teach that. I still think he needs to work on his feel of the game more, but yeah. like you said, he's young. So let's do something fun here. Uh, you mentioned the top five prospects in Bunkero, Shet, Jabari, Ivy, and Dern cracked the top five. Let's pick some teams that best fit these players and projecting them in the NBA. So starting with Jalen Duran, in my opinion, I think OKC is the best fit for him. Yeah, I agree. I think OKC and need. I think he would be perfect for them with Giddy SGA, a rim runner, a guy who can run the, run the fast break. He can also be a guy who can just. He doesn't need the ball a lot. He doesn't need the ball to be that effective defensively. They need a big. They're really small. So I think that would probably be like that's that's why I, I, that's why when you asked me like, do you think Duran can go five? I was like, it really just depends on the team that is picked up. I think if OKC. If outside of four, even outside of three, because I don't think they go Ivy. They I don't, don't go It Ivy. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I'm saying if they get four, five, six, doesn't matter, they're going to pick Duran probably no matter what because that's a guy who fits them. Do you think the Pistons are a squad that he would fit, that his play style would fit them also? 
feel like right now I understand you have Marvin Bagley who's been playing very well at that position, but regardless, you still need another big to add. I don't. Th- I think if all three of those guys are off the board, they don't go big. They go guard. You think, I think they, they would take Ivy early too? Yeah, I, I think because you got Caden, Caden, Sadiq Bay can play one to three for sure. So if you get Ivy, you could put Kate at the one. You could play Ivy at the two. Bay at the. Th- it doesn't really matter. So I think if Paolo, I don't know how to say his first Paolo. name, Paolo, <laughs> Chet, or Jabari are gone, Ivy, they're picking Ivy no matter what. Okay, or a guard, Ivy Griffin, Johnny Davis, maybe they're they're picking so, a guard. So the center's not not essential to them. And if it's not, not if those Stewart three guys, also. no. Mm-hmm. If I, say, I think during like Isaiah Stewart. Too. Oh like yeah. He, and he plays. He plays similar. Like he plays strong. I think like they'd rather prefer a guy like Chet or Jabari who plays like a four to pair with the fives if they were to go mm-hmm. like that route in the front court. I think Duran all like he's super young too. He's eighteen. Like goes well with Thunder. The Spurs also like. There's been a lot of rumors about like Dejounte like going off whatever. They drafted Josh Primo last year, who's the youngest player in the league now, mm-hmm. and they would do something similar with Jalen Duran. I think like chances they get in the top five, maybe probably slim. They're pushing for a play in right now, but you're like um, game if they were to out. get in there. Yeah, if they were to get in there and like trade back to four or five or something like that, whatever in whatever situation, I would love Duran to be on the Spurs. So Jalen Duran, now next prospect, Jaden Ivey. What is the best team fit for him? I'll start with you, Ryan. I would say the Pacers probably, although I don't I'll say the Pacers because of first of all, he's from there and like he's his hometown kid, and they need like a superstar, I think like that, trying to next to Tyrese Halliburton. But they also have still have Duarte. Buddy Heal, but they could run a small ball and play three of those guys and have four or five really good guards. Um, so I'll say the Pist- uh, Pistons, sorry, Pacers. That's interesting. And you, Riv? I'll probably go Detroit. You know, I think, for, first of all, for Detroit, whew, how quickly they'll be back in if they can just yeah. up, upstart that rebuild process. And then for Ivy to bring in another ball handler, somebody else that can go get a bucket alongside Cade. And you've seen lately Bay developing into his own as a scorer and a defender. I think Ivy would be perfect right in that role. You get three guys who are solid defenders. So I think I think Detroit would be my guy. I feel like the Rockets really do need a true point guard. I like KPJ's oh, game, but he's man. not a true oh point guard. God. He's not. Let's be real. <laughs> now there's Ivy. Ivy isn't a point guard, right? Yeah, yeah. he's not. But you still, if you're the Rockets, you still need someone to really take that rank. <laughs> so you're gonna play green. You're gonna play green and Ivy. Yeah, why not? You need oh, listen. No. Scoring just, is something that the you just Rockets. Scream, have, you just want buckets. What's wrong with that? Especially yeah, in this wrong. NBA? Right? I, I was actually looking at Tankathon, and really, Ivy doesn't fit with a lot of these teams. I don't think he fits in Orlando or Houston. No, you can't okay, go to Orlando. OKC, is unless it, they get rid of Dort. But is it is it wrong to say if Ivy is Orlando has the pick and Ivy is there? Detroit is the perfect fit. I no, think. but I'm saying if yeah. Orlando has the pick and Ivy's there, they don't just say we think Ivy can be better We are, and just move off of the two guards? At <laughs> no. what pick? At what, like, if it's four, then maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If Orlando has yeah. four, nah. they already have – you said they have Wendell. You just Trade told back. me he's going to be this, that, and the third. You think they move off of Suggs that early? No, Suggs is going to be the one. This is why you can – they move off Cole for Ivy. Oh, Cole can go. I don't know. Cole can go. I, I feel like the Magic can't draft another guard. If they do no – They can't draft another – but they can't draft another <laughs> forward either. That would be embarrassing if they draft another guard. I don't know. They can drop another four if it's Paolo. I was going to say, if it's Paolo, 100% you or can that way. Or Chet. Chet is Chet is just, they just, they they the I feel like they're log jammed it everywhere, bro. I really do feel like that, bro. It's because they don't have any player that you could like bank on being a star, for sure. And that's yeah. what that, that's what's hurting Orlando. I like Indiana. I put my money on Suggs. I like Indiana, I like Indiana if they trade Brogdon. That's the thing. Brogdon and Tyrese Halliburton both being there is what's No, I think Halliburton and Ivy is dope. But I think Halle Burton, Ivy, and Brogdon, ah, I mean, I would like it, but I wouldn't love it. I like, I feel like Halle Burton, even Sacramento, 
Fox and Ivy. No. They they just, they, no, no way they could draft more guards. No. I swear Bro, if they draft the guard on the <laughs> No way. And Fox and they had to trade Halliburton because of that. That's a real, but that's but the thing is Ivy isn't a Halliburton. That's a real two guard. You know what I'm saying? That's somebody who's like he doesn't like he's not a Halliburton. He's a real two guard. So I think And then the Davion pick also the last Yeah, year no, that pick like is kind of Yeah, that pick. They need is, a defense. I understand it from I mean, that you sense, need but defense. you're right. They had so many guards. Right. Many next guards. next prospect, Jabari Smith Jr. I don't even know. Um, the teams to pick from, I'll just talk about the top top five because you know he's going to be a top three pick: Orlando, Houston, Detroit, OKC, Indiana. I would go Detroit, OKC, probably Houston would be the three teams. I think Houston's one. No, I didn't put it in order. Oh, I was just saying those okay. are the three. I think or uh, uh, OKC doesn't have a four or five that's really bankable. Jabari Smith fits in right there. Detroit also. Bagley's he's been good, but I think you can kind of he's replaced. Yeah, you still pick Smith at mm. that pick in Houston. Obviously, they don't. Indiana have a doesn't answer the conversation at all. Especially, oh, I'm with sorry. Com- in, yeah, Indiana is also another team, especially but. with Miles Turner being on the trade block. That'd just be another avenue to. to I mean, push you can off. keep him at this you point. Could, you definitely could, but you don't think Jalen Smith is similar? Sticks, <laughs> <laughs> the king. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you just take the the potential in Jabari at that point, though. I understand what you're saying, but Jalen, it's he's expendable. Yes, like you just got him. He's been playing I don't really know. serviceable he's been playing for good. you. Jabari Smith is a tough player for me to evaluate. Me too. Like all, all these top three guys are pretty tough for me to evaluate. I, I think Jabari Smith. I mean, he's a stretch four to me. He reminds me offensively at least of like Jaron Jackson, and yeah, he's gonna yeah occupy like a similar role to him. Yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know. He's so slow. I, I, I is he though? Like you watch him, he strides on. He looks like Giannis when he goes coast to coast. Half yeah, time. like so, I don't freak. like him. I, I never had him at number one. Like for me, he was never in my eyes the number one pick. But I do think like in the right situation, he could have that similar impact. But it's just a weird like. It was a lot of eyes on him. He did carry Auburn, so I guess the hype mm. kept trending, trending upward. But there's a lot of holes in his game. I think more than the other two in front of him or below yeah. him, in my opinion. Yeah, he like athletically. He's I think he's exceptional. And he's a really good outside shooter. His percentages are good, but he shoots so many like off balance shots. But he's so good at them. That's yeah. why like I see the Jaron Jackson thing. So it makes so much sense. But like I've come to realization like that is not as confirmed sustainable as like Chet's potential and Boncaro's like is the lo- lowest floor for or highest floor. Excuse me for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, so I, like, agree. I, I agree with that. So I I think for me Jabari Smith at least the best fit wise is uh, I see Houston a lot, Which and I think sense. he's the perfect like Christian Wood replacement as well. Mm-hmm. If like they, for, end up, they end up moving off of him. For the rest of the players, we're going to say Houston's going to be a, a huge spot because they need big depth. They so, need talent there. Second, let's start with Paolo Boncaro. For me, I think anywhere Detroit. I, I, I would love him in Detroit. I like Orlando also. I understand they have a lot of big depth, but you pair that with the, the guards that they have. He could possibly elevate their play. You're not relying so much on Jalen Suggs to facilitate that offense. Or excuse me, you're not relying on Jalen Suggs to be as prolific in that offense and, and Paolo is going to open up the core for him a little I'm going to say this any of those five teams facts, he's, he, facts. It's his skill set it's he's he's a big man and he's probably the most skilled player in his draft you play him at the four I'll play him at the four would you I can play him at the three would I'll you play him at to the have five. him on the Pistons if he goes to the, with Cade him and Cade oh. bro that'd be nuts I can't even imagine. I don't think like I don't love the Pistons fit I really don't I he he, his playmaking, you guys said it before, like facilitating has been so good, especially recently. For sure. He almost has like, don't I want people to react this, like a LeBron impact-esque impact on like at the forward position of what he does for his team. 
And like him and Cade are both, he's going to be ball dominant. Like I think he could be a superstar and ball dominant wise. And I don't like Cade is, Cade plays like Luca. Like Cade is very similar. takes up a lot of usage. Like would they actually pair well together? Like I feel like the Pistons wouldn't take Boncaro at one or two. Mm. Mm, that's interesting. I don't so know. You I, think feel like, I feel like I feel like choice, that duo. I feel like that duo could be the scariest duo years to come if it works yeah. out. I feel like that Definitely duo could. reminds me of Tatum and Brown. And for the Pistons, really? it's marketable yeah. too. You, the, the Pistons, who have been a, a franchise yeah. that struggled with bringing fans in, you have two of the more exciting young players in the NBA with Paolo and Cade. That sells tickets. I mean, the reason why I wouldn't like the reason why I, I think it's okay because Cade can play off ball. Like he, he, even though we want him with the ball at all times, we want him. Obviously, we want, but he. What else he, is their his, option? Yeah, he, but he also will play off ball if need to. He can play off ball. So if pa, uh, Paolo, Paolo, thank you. If Paolo does get opportunities, Kate is fine being that secondary option. But I think you no, know, that dynamic of them two because they like pa, Paolo's skill set is so ridiculous. That dynamic could be like crazy because now you didn't got your one, you didn't got your three and your four. For the future, you know, in in Cade Bay and Boncaro, so I, I would like Detroit for them. I think Detroit that's that should be the guy for them. My dark horse pick is Portland. Oh wow! Yeah, if they like sneak up in the lottery, saying yeah, yeah, don't I, they have two picks? They have. They're right now. They're projected to have the uh, seventh overall pick, and right now the pick that is from the Pelicans would go to them, which is projected to be ninth right now. Okay, Portland could be. If okay. they move up in the lottery, I, say I think take those two picks and try and move up. I also. think Paulo probably with with Dame because yeah. I think they're going to keep Dame. They're, I don't feel like they're trading him. So with Dame, the, Simons, and team they have, Boncaro, they, they need to, they need to get useful, yep. in my opinion. I think they, I think they'll probably pick Adrian Griffin. And they get in the top four. They get all, no, no, they, no, they no, get no, because they got okay, two right. picks. I'm talking about like eight or nine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah they, they, they are. I, I think Griffin has top four potential, but I don't think he'll get picked top four. Like I don't, I don't think. I think he'll kind of be like do Kaminga this draft. Kind of like his ceiling is yeah. so ridiculously high, but he's not going to get picked where his ceiling is. It's what he is right now. And now the number one, Shet Holmgren. What's the best team fit for him, Ryan? What do you think? I think for me, it's between the Pistons and the Magic. For sure. I think the Magic makes a lot of sense. We talked about like how they don't have a guy at four or five or like that's our dude. And I think him and Suggs being high school teammates is under is like it's a little thing, but they were literally like the duo for a yep. couple of years. And like they did everything together. They're from the same place. Like it makes a lot, a lot of sense. And when you get a guy, they have so much youth and so much talent on that roster. Like the Magic could be good. And similar on the Pistons. I think the Pistons could be will be good faster than the Magic, especially with a guy like Chet. Who like lives off ball and offense? You can fit him into so many different systems as long as you have a spot at the four or five, but you have to play next to like a good, really good, like strong player. Like Isaiah Stewart, I think is a good example of that. Yeah, that's good. I think Detroit. I think definitely with Isaiah Stewart or bah, Isaiah Stewart down low, he can play the four. Even having Cade, having Bay or Orlando, of course, because like you said, Suggs and Shen in high school were dominating. Like religiously, Minahana, I, f- I think that's what their name was in high school, mm, yep. and even in AAU, they they played together sometimes too. So I think they've been teammates for a while. Bringing that connection back is great. In Orlando, they have a guy at the five that they're comfortable with in Wendell, and then with him, you got him, Jonathan for- Isaac. It doesn't force so, yeah, it Chet doesn't, to play the center position either. They, that defensively, yeah. that could be a crazy trio. Isaac yeah. and Chet, oh my! If God. Isaac finally plays, you know. Wagner is almost going to have more Imagine points Imagine a starting lineup of, of Suggs. I don't know who's the two, but whatever. Wagner. Um, you, you would put Wagner at a two? I don't, I, I don't, I don't hate That's that. That's a crazy lineup. He's big, but lineup. he can play the two. Suggs, Franz, Isaac, 
Chet and Wendell. Def- offensively, got some work to do. But defensively, defensively woo. that's a crazy yeah, like, line. I, I actually love the Orlando. They could put out the death lineup if they got to lock somebody down. I like that a lot. And then maybe Cole Anthony is the sixth man too because I, I feel that. like that's his best role. Yeah, Cole Anthony, he can't be a starter in my opinion. I, I agree with you. I think. So Ryan, uh, quick question for me: Who, who, like, who was your three? Like, I know the the March Madness has been a lot. It's been hard to keep track, of course, but I'm sure you do it because you love it. Who's who's going to be your three sleeper picks if you had to pick three in this March Madness? Like guys who have, I want to say, have upped their stock, or guys who people mm. don't. You know, pay too much attention to, but it can make an immediate impact coming to NBA. Yeah, I feel like there's always guys that like will jump into like the mid or early second round from like being like kind of off radars that are like usually older, experienced guys. Um, like Jalen Williams in Arkansas, I think he's done a great job, like really high motor. I think he'll he's worth like a second round pick pretty early. I think jumping into like first and like kind of higher guys, Mark Williams has been ridiculous. That's a he, fact. Like he's been good all year. But he's been great. And like without him, they might not have gotten to the final four, Duke. They might not have gotten past the second round against yeah. Michigan State. Uh, I think he's been awesome. He has got elite athleticism and like high motor work rate. I think Kennedy Chandler only played twice, but the game against Michigan, I saw so much I love from him. And like I had him sneaking into like 30 almost going into the tournament. And I saw literally one game and like there's just realizations when you watch guys like that. And I'm like, he was really good. I, I could see him like running an NBA offense in the future, kind of like Trey does, but like because they're both small, quick guards. Maybe not as good, obviously. It's hard to be like like that. Um, and then Benedict Matherin is the last one on Arizona. Like he just absolutely skyrocketed. So, yo, I've been so high on Benedict Matherin for so yeah. long. Like he's just I don't even want to uh, <laughs> dude. He is a freak. he's an NBA wing. You watch him like that's it, an NBA it, yeah. athlete. It's that, a freak. Is, that is that. I, I don't even want to fan that I'm start fantasizing. <laughs> like, I, just, no, I, I said I would do illegal things for the Hawks to be able to get him somehow. Illegal things. Yeah. Like, so you're an Atlanta Hawks fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I see y'all. I've seen some of the Knicks stuff before. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. So who would you go? Like, if, you, if you had a top pick, who would you Who would you go? For the Hawks? Yeah. Like one, two, or three, you're saying? No, I was, uh, let's say yeah. you go like seven or eight, nine. Uh, depend, if like whoever I wanted to be there. Matherin makes so much sense. I don't know if he'd be there that late. Otherwise, I'd say seven, eight, nine might be early, but either Jeremy Sohan or Tari Eason. Like they play like Draymond, Scotty Barnes-esque roles in their own ways. I think Tari's more like, DeAndre Hunter kind of, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Sohan, I love. Like, he is literally like Scotty Barnes and Draymond. I think we need a guy like that, especially defensively, because, like, we struggle so much, and we need a guy that's just going to impact winning and nothing else. Like, that's all I care about. So, Sohan would be the guy there. So, like, you're looking for, like, win-now guys, like guys who just impact winning. Yeah, like, the roster's good. Like, even though with the, with the slump from last year, even if we get 9th or 10th and lose in the plan, like, it's still a team that you can be like, that can be a top 5-6 team in the East next year and, like, win a play another playoff series. So, I would say... Keep pushing to win as fast as you can with this team, yeah. Is Nate McMillan fired for you? <sighs> God. Probably. <laughs> um, if, we lo- if we don't win a playing game, then probably, yeah. Okay, like, I see. So who would he you- had a one good run that gave him the job. And, like, that's a short amount of time, so you're going to be on a short leash because of that, I feel like. You think so? I feel like he came in immediately last season. Culture changed. You guys just started to, to really play better basketball. You had a great playoff run. To have a, a disappointing season this season, for sure, you're going to move off after one season? If we lose a play in, like, I don't, I go back and forth because, like, the culture is decent, but, like, in game, he's he's been miserable. The rotations he runs half the time is awful, especially yeah. defensively. Like, it is so painful to watch. Like, what does this team talk about and work on and study? Like, it's clearly <laughs> not what, what we need to to win games. Like, they, it's just, it pisses me off. So, but like the defensive personnel, the defensive personnel as a whole for you guys is already sketchy. You have to rely on offense to win you majority of your games. So, to a degree, I understand of being upset and, and your adjustments aren't there, but 
if the personnel's not there as a whole, how much blame can we really put on McMillan? Right, but he like he'll run like I'm just throwing examples, trying to remember things. Like he'll take DeAndre Hunter and Capella out of the, at the same time. Yeah, that makes how, no how sense. How in the world Fair are enough. we gonna gonna play defense? Like how is that gonna happen? And he'll leave them. He'll leave them in. He'll leave Bogey and Herder and Trey all at the same time for minutes and minutes. And like just call a timeout or anything, please. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating. Yeah, defensively, sometimes. that's hilarious. Yeah, that's although rough. although you're yeah. a Hawks fan, I I have some sympathy for you because I I know that you're a Jets fan and I'm a Jets fan. Yeah, shit's. I mean. Yeah, I just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we're like, gonna I, we're gonna have a big time year, Zach. Big time year too. Hundred percent. Zach's a Zach's a baller, man. Like, yeah, I don't do like football film and some of that. Like, I do basketball, but I watch enough to know, like, understand about Zach and see his game. Like, I went to every single game this year. Like, he is gonna be in this league for a long time. And wait, just wait till we get AJ Brown and we're good. You must have been so excited when you saw when you were there for the Tennessee game. That was awesome. That was one of the best Jets games I've ever been to. That was crazy. That was the and, like, one we were, game uh, I didn't go to. Oh my, what a fool. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro. I was so mad. Yeah, I was at home like celebrating though. Of course. <laughs> losing my Although mind. the Bengals game, looking back on it now, the yeah. Bengals game was like just as good as Isn't not that better. another game you didn't go to? Because Mike White was playing. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna go to a Mike White game. <laughs> I actually went to the game, uh, the Dolphins versus the Jets, where um, Joe Flacco was your quarterback. And that was a decent game until the fourth quarter. I worked at the um, the Bills and the uh, Jets game opening game. Tough. The, the Jets choked in the second half. Facts. facts. Talking about 2019. Yeah. Uh-huh. Josh Allen was pitiful. I was like, this guy ass. Like, I was watching this. I was like, he's trash. Because like, I, I was on the field working. I'm like, I'm watching. And I'm like, dude, this guy sucks. Like, it's just like when you see things differently, like when you're there, uh-huh. you really start to think like, now nah, he really might be garbage. Like the numbers three, ain't really, say, now, yeah, the numbers ain't later, really telling me. Three years later, now we're talking about one of the best yeah, nah, he, yeah. he, he, QBs he, in the league. Development He's is crazy. Different. Development is because he was garbage that day. Like, right now, D, um, who did you say was going to ask for a trade? You said Debo, right? Debo Samuel. Yeah. If, no, not, he's not asking. It, it's potential that he's going to want a lot of money and Niners are, are in talks of potentially trading him. I feel like to play somewhere else. The Jets are in the market for every single big time wide receiver right now, and especially Ryan, with Lafleur as your play caller, that's yeah, exciting. That's I, I got uh, just exceptional. one more college question. I'm sorry, I was fantasizing. Um, Villanova, Kansas, two guys that I like on opposite teams. You know, these guys, I make them in two K all the time. I draft them all the time, and I just edit them and whatnot. Oche Agbaja, I don't know how to say his name. You know who I'm talking about, though. You got it. You got yeah. it. Right? You got okay, it. and then Colin Gillespie. Do you think these are two guys that are going to get drafted or that can make it any immediate impact? Because I know Gillespie, he's yeah. a little older. Gillespie. But, thank you. I appreciate you. I know <laughs> Gillespie, he's a little older, but I feel like he can have, like, what impact Davion Mitchell was supposed to have in terms because I feel like he can run an offense. He's able to space the floor, and defensively, he's really solid. He doesn't push the pace. He's kind of like Peyton Pritchard, but a little bit older, a little bit more wiser. So do you think these are two guys that can get drafted in the – because I know this draft isn't, you know, strong like that, but maybe in the late first? Oche is like – like to me, a style, storyline, rise, like that's Chris Duarte, same exact kind of thing. And he's going to be a top 15 pick, probably top 20 because the team – that teams that draft, like the Hawks are a good example, actually. Teams that are, like, decent that fall into, like, the late lottery maybe or, like, 10 to, like, 20. Those There's a lot of good teams. The Warriors had two picks in the top 14 last year, like, and they need – got win now, guys. Like, that's a guy that gets you buckets right away. He plays both ends of the floor. Like, really good impact, just like Duarte had, especially in the first, like, two months. He's fallen off a little bit, but um, I think he'll get drafted high. And then Gillespie – Gillespie's tough. He's older. I think Oche is, like, 23. Gillespie's probably, like, 23, 24 soon. Um, he – 
I don't know. It's tough because like Villanova, look at the guys they produced though, all upperclassmen, all really experienced. I love like the Brogdon model is what I call it because Malcolm yeah. Brogdon, like the experienced college guard that like no one, everyone overlooks. Uh, Jalen Brunson was the same exact way. DiVincenzo was a little more athletic, but Kyle Lowry years ago from Villanova. So like, could they produce a guy like that? It's probably worth a second round pick. Like, why not? But he won't go like too high. Yeah. Do you think that Colin Gillespie is more um, Jalen Brunson or Ryan Archinato? Archidiacono? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, in college, Archidiacono, because he's just like he's more of a winner than just a good player. Like Brunson was National Player of the Year when <laughs> he was in college when they won that national title. Um, in the NBA, I don't think I don't think he'll be as good as Brunson. I don't. I think he'll he'd be better than Archidiacono. It's not hard to say, but I think he'll be better than him. And one more question: This is a Jersey question. Do you think okay. Javon Quinley is going to get drafted in the oh. first or the second? Where do Where do you think he fits in the NBA? If he goes, he'll be second. But like he's like. Him, the whole entire Alabama roster, I feel like it's just guys that you can just throw into a second or third rotation in the NBA and they'll they'll be fine. They'll score, especially him. Um, he'll be a second round pick if if at all, though he won't go first. Um, but it's that those are tough guys. Even like Jaden Shackleford and even JD Davidson, like he'll probably stay another year, but yeah, like those probably, are like they're hard stay. to figure out. And like, where do you place them? And it reminds me of like Trey Mann, kind of the Thunder, where you kind of just put him in the second rotation and let him cook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Those are all good. We want to thank you for taking the time out to be on the show. That was Ryan Hammer on the Pick Side Podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. I appreciate y'all, of course. And I can't wait to uh, hear some more of these hot Jets takes. Zach Wilson MVP years. You know <laughs> I gotta say, that's this all guy season. over here. You said that? Zach Wilson season. MVP? Nah. No, no, I'm not. I didn't say that. Nah, I'm just, that's right. <laughs> it's coming well, soon. When we get AJ. When we get AJ Brown, it's a wrap. It's all good. When we get AJ, it's Zach Wilson. You know, it's funny. I thought I thought offensive you weirdly player of the year. Zach Wilson kind of sounded like Tua Tungavailoa. You are a Denver uh, fan. Hell no. <laughs> you talk about Tua more than Russell Wilson. Tua is so well, average. it's just they're in the division, so that's why we have to talk about Tua it. Tua is so average. Listen, the Broncos are winning the Super Bowl. Simple as that. You think so? Yeah. Done. Stinky, Lock it in. That's a stinky take. Whatever. It's about some whatever. <laughs> all right, we want to thank you again, Ryan. Thanks for being on the show. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate y'all. Have a good one, all right? All right, man. We're back with this week in the NBA. So I'll start off first with this week in the NBA. So Kyrie Irving, now... The vaccine mandate has been lifted. He can now play home games, without, which I think is huge for the Nets going forward, especially in the playoffs. He said he's been pinching himself to play home games. But my this week in the NBA that directly correlates to Kyrie Irving is that he wants to re-sign with the Brooklyn Nets. And I know that we've heard this before yep. when he was in Boston, but I think he's serious this time. And I think he's going to re-sign with the Brooklyn Nets. And you look about what he said, I think, just shows that he's going to resign. It has always been about being comfortable, loving where I'm at, and I love it here. Once that summertime hits, I know we'll have some conversations, but there's no way I can leave my man number seven anywhere. He's talking about Did Kevin he tell Durant. Boston I'm never leaving you guys? If you guys will have me, <laughs> I'll be back. Guy. The difference is that I think Kyrie is really close to Kevin Durant. And because of that, I think he will not this leave is a Kevin Durant. Stabbing in the heart. He won't do that to KD. He also said, and as we build, as you see me playing with some guys I've had some relationships with in the past, and this is the recipe for success. When you have guys that you've known for a while, young guys that are willing to listen, and then a front office that's willing to do what's necessary in order to build this thing for the long run. So that's the mindset. That's where I'm at. I think the Nets, even this year without Simmons, can be scary. The Nets have said they are planning on him playing, but I think next year with Kyrie playing home games, KD, Simmons being you know back to who he is, I think 
the Nets can be one of the best teams in the East. And I, I don't think Kyrie is leaving. He's going to re-sign and remain a Brooklyn Net. I hope he does because it makes the league fun. You know, it keeps teams competitive. And that would mean ball, the, the East has like eight or nine really, really good teams. And what's a better situation than what he has in Brooklyn right and now? He's playing with his guys. Exactly. So, you know, shout, shout out. I hope he does. I really do hope we, like he's truthful and he, you know, he stays. For me, NBA... <sighs> I got sent this video and I just couldn't breathe. Like it, it was just like it was just like <laughs> honest to God, I felt good about myself. Paul George is shooting. He's participated in five oh five. And that's why I said I was losing in fantasizing because <laughs> my boy is back and it's in perfect tune because the Clippers have been struggling a little bit. And even if he doesn't come back this season, I'm glad he's back to being healthy, shooting again, because this team is the favorites next year. To win the title. And if not the favorites next year to win the title, they're Strong top three. contenders. Yeah, I think Kawhi fully back next year. Paul George fully healthy. Norman Powell For fully sure. healthy. Reggie Jackson. Zubak. Batum. We got Ty Lue. It's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a scary fantasy. Fire but I'm just, just, listen, I'm just glad Paul George is back to playing, practicing. Nice. I even post reposted him yesterday because he was like, I'm back, baby. And I'm glad. So shout out to Paul George. Like, I'm happy for you, bro. I'm All right, my this week in the NBA, LeBron James officially becomes the number two scorer in NBA history. Oh, yeah, now, some yeah, give him an applause, man. That man deserves it. Shout out to you. You've been a true inspiration to the world. God bless you. I'm very, I'm very happy for you. Now, you think he's more important than Martin Luther King? No. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Of course not. Um, I just thought you would say yeah. Come on now. Come on now. Um, I'm a little bit more smarter than that, but. Now, some comments came out from Draymond Green that if LeBron were to pass or have the chance to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the day that the Warriors happened to be playing, Draymond Green said that he would sit out that game and go watch LeBron it's pass funny Kareem. he's saying that after having two points against Orlando. Yeah, that's rough. After he violated them when it's he really played funny. Like absolute do. Guy needs to worry about other things. So, regardless of that fact, do you guys, or what are your guys' thoughts on him saying that he would miss his own game and go to LeBron's. For me personally, before you guys give your input, I understand it. It's history. This is something that we will not see for decades, possibly two decades. This is something that we really need to marvel at. We really need to take in and 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 really not take for granted. And this is someone in a position where he has that luxury of sitting in any NBA game and being very close friends with LeBron James on top of that. I respect this. I can acknowledge the fact that, yes... You, you're putting your own team's success in the back burner. But at the same time, this is something that we may never see in our lifetimes ever again. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's insane. And I think, like, I would understand it more. Let me let me, let me me add context. I don't want to just say, like, you're being dumb because you're not being dumb. I think <laughs> if this was October, November, December, I would understand it. But I think being as if... It's it's getting to that time. You, you, LeBron's not passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar no, no, for no. a minute. That's what you're. No, I'm talking about playoffs. It's getting to that time. The, the playoffs is right ah. here. It's getting to that time. You just got back. You've been struggling. Steph is out. There's some games that you need to win. The chemistry has to get better. You guys haven't been playing good. I think if the situation was, they were kind of like okay in a good position. Like oh, like this was like maybe early in the year, but now it's like like right now competitive basketball. You have to start winning a little bit more. You have to start gearing up for that playoff time. I think the timing is what makes it ridiculous in my mind. Not what he's doing, but just the timing. It's not right now. Is not the time. I get a LeBron greatness. Yes, of course, we should all celebrate that. But I think the timing is like, boom! It's about to be playoff time, bro. We, we got to lock in. He's not your friend right now because it's playoff time. I know what you're he's saying. Not your friend. That's a different perspective yeah. that I didn't think about. That's fair. 
I think the time, I think the comment came out of nowhere. I don't, I don't really care. If out Draymond, of nowhere? I mean, I don't, just passed. Co- I, I don't along. think, I don't think, I really don't care if Draymond goes to see LeBron and supports him, especially if it's a regular season game. Max. It might be a meaningless game for the Warriors, and why not go support LeBron James? You know, I think it's fine if he does that. I really don't really care. But I think Draymond Green, ever since he started podcasting, it feels like his play, his production is dipped. LOL. Hasn't, hasn't he been podcasting all season? I don't think also. I think it's, it, it, it got started bigger. like in the middle. It got bigger season. when he got hurt. So now the podcast is bigger than basketball. Because he now. actually got a You de- noticed that Duncan Robinson also hasn't been his best. And he got a Draymond got too. a deal with, I think, TNT or something like that while he was hurt. Like to be on that, so he he got a, like another deal, a sports deal. So Interesting. I, what is it about streaming and and podcasting? He's really that good at decreases it. Decreases your level of play outside of Carl. No, working Towns? out. You while you in there filming and shit, you should I be on that gym. Ben Simmons, Anthony I feel Davis. Like some pl- I, I, I was watching a Draymond Green podcast with Joel Embiid, and I know that mainstream media can be very annoying, especially with the narratives they spew. Facts. And I guess you know the player from the players' perspective, they feel like sometimes they. Try to attack their make tension. Facts. They got they create tension towards players. But what I found odd about Draymond Green's podcast with Embiid is that when they were talking about Simmons and Draymond's like this to Embiid, you know, I you know I hate when the media tries to stir up some controversy. And then he's like, "Well, Joel Embiid, you know, do you think that uh, <laughs> do you think that Ben Simmons left? Because uh, what happened with him? Like, you know, why are you guys clashing? Basically asking him. He tried to ask Embiid a question and. He was like, oh, you know, this is for my own personal reasons I want to know. And I'm but, like, bro, like you ask, you try to stir up controversy right there. How are you going to talk about if, the media I feel like doing the, it when you're doing it right nah, now? Because if, I, if it was I, in his personal, he would ask in private. But And that's fair. I understand exactly what you're saying. But I feel like it's not a secret that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have issues. But Embiid said they don't. Really? Yeah, yeah he, and he said, said on the podcast they don't have issues. That's pretty he has interesting. No problem. But, but he even, said from his side, he has no problems with uh, Ben Simmons. No issues. I feel like that's a BS but Draymond, But Draymond Green, what I was alluding to was that he literally was like, oh, I hate the media because they do this. And then he does it like a minute later. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's hypocritical. No, I agree. I guess it's about who's it coming from and not the, the actual message nowadays. Yeah, because right? since it's coming from a ball player, it's more respectable than a media guy. Yeah. Makes sense. Did you guys see Powell Gasol's interview with J.J. Redick? I did not. Is I actually saw it. Yeah, it was really good. I love Paul Gasol. Oh, absolutely. I, he's one of my favorite players. Legend. He's a really good guy. So I was watching game six of the 2013 finals yesterday at like two in the morning. And oh, you were. a thought came into my head. I was with a friend and I asked him this exact, exact same question as well. The, the, the original Miami Heat big three was supposed to be LeBron, D. Wade, and Carmelo Anthony. Do you think the Heat win championships with Carmelo? Because I don't think they beat the Spurs any year with Carmelo Anthony. The defense Chris Bosh played. I, th- I I agree. The defense Chris Bosh played on Tim Duncan. He was great. great. Him as a rebounder. Great. He just fit with them better. Carmelo Anthony would have got exposed defensively. Offensively, would have been a tougher shots. fit. Yeah. I don't feel like they win championships or have a bunch of success with Carmelo. It would have been year three together. So maybe they would have been able to adjust their roles accordingly. I don't think they have no answer for Spurs though. That's fair. The Spurs were a great But I do think they beat OKC still. I, do you think they beat Dallas? Now with Melo and D-Wade? That's the difference cuz Mel cuz D-Wade, D-Wade that's playing 20, great. He was, he was phenomenal. unbelievable. You couldn't guard Dirk and Melo's yeah, not guarding facts. Dirk. Well, why didn't put LeBron on him? I Dirk, thought he was that versatile Dirk, demon. Dirk didn't um, excuse me. Uh Chris Bosh wasn't covering Dirk and doing anything great in that <laughs> I know, sense but either. Carmelo wouldn't have been better. Fair. 
Yeah, so I think they I get think one. They, I think they and only yes, beat. I'm ignoring OKC. that. that they LeBron only lineup. beat OKC. I yeah. think they lose every other finals. But it would be. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be five games though. Chris Chris Bosh was huge for them in that first Spurs series. Hundred percent. He was huge right. in general. You know, being able to take the back seat, be the third guy, be it comfortably developing a better jump shot and being a better defender at that time. People really sleep on Bosh as his third option. He wasn't like K Love. Like K Love, kind of like got. He just got bad, but Bosch was always great defensively with them. He was always a great rim protector with them. So, uh, Bosch's yeah. importance for them. Melo isn't a third guy. He doesn't have the mentality of a third guy. He doesn't have the the humbleness of a third guy. The self like he's just not that type of person. Do you think he would have been? Yes, he would have been the he third been best the guy. Yes, sure. but in the sense of scoring wise, LeBron so passed. Dwayne was still that dude. In 2011 and 2012, but 2013, that's when we really saw Wade. Maybe Melo would have got into that second role after D Wade was there. There's, a, there's a world where Melo could have been the leading scorer on the Heat. No, there's not. Yes, there is. There's, don't, no, 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 no. See, this was D Wade and Bosch, they were able to play off ball and all yeah. ball. When, when, Melo can't really play off ball. At that time, he couldn't. Fair so, enough. So it's Fair like, enough. that's why D Wade and Bosch were comfortable because they're like, we could play off ball. That's a great point. You're 100% right because Melo was at his best when he got the ball in the post and was able to do it. What yeah, he Melo to had do. a chance, bro. I that year, watching, he was supposed to come play with us. I was, watch, I was watching that game like, man, <laughs> LeBron really choked down the stretch uh, and the Spurs should have won the championship. Yeah, and they choked. Yeah, they did. Do and we, it's just Ginobili missed the free, free throws. And cost. Kawhi. We look Kawhi at, and Ginobili missed free throws. Kawhi's Duncan, knees were clacking as t- he shooting Tim Duncan free wins that ring. How do we look at him differently? Six rings, bro. What, four? I don't, he, you think he would have won finals? Do you think people are looking at him nah, better TP. than... TP, right? TP. Do you think people are looking at him better than Larry Bird? Six and zero in the finals. Yo, he has six, but he doesn't have all the finals MVPs. I think Bird was more dominant in his short stretch. People barely it, look it at Tim Duncan. It was dominance, but we're talking like uh, lo- like the longevity Tim Duncan. I don't even know people's so longevity. Tim Duncan, don't, people don't respect Tim Duncan's longevity regardless. Which is disgusting. So it's like... Uh, it's because Duncan never had flashy numbers. He never he never he had... he wasn't a flashy he never, player. He never had seasons where he was averaging like 28 and 13. No, yeah. I, know I think that's like a He's always been like a 20, 21. Era. He's always been like 21 and 13, 22 and 12. Like, this he's talk never about impact winning. Yeah, that's but he's never had seasons where he's career. been like 27, I think that's more because of his system, though. I agree. There's been finals where he's putting up 25, 12, 14 in like eight blocks. He had that ability to do so if he needed to. He was great. I think that you could have that conversation, Larry Bird and him, if he goes six and zero. I think you mm-hmm. could still have it now. Honestly, Ooh. I would pick Bird over. But yeah, I think yeah, yeah, could, yeah, yeah. The, the career Tim Duncan has is crazy. Like, you could still have that conversation. I know what you mean. So on to the next topic. It's about the New York Knicks. Oh God. Uh, Tom Thibodeau right now is uh, getting a lot of backlash from Knicks fans, and I think this is a trendy topic amongst Knicks Twitter. And so Thibodeau called out the social media critics and was like, oh, wow, you guys are trying to nitpick this nitpick, <laughs> nitpick that you need every everyone across the course of a season. And Thibodeau sources have said that he's been offended by claims that he mistreated Kemba Walker this season. Tim, Tim, Tom Thibodeau has came out and he's, you know, basically clapped back at Nick's Twitter. Nick's Twitter doesn't like him. I follow some people that are in that are active in Nick's Twitter. And every other day I see spaces on, on Twitter about Thibodeau needs to be fired. People tweeting, I can't wait until Thibodeau gets fired. The notification is going to hit different. So what do you guys think about this? And Riv, you, Thibodeau coach your team, won Coach of the Year for the Chicago Bulls. So I want to know your thoughts first, and I'll go, because I'm a Knicks fan, and I feel like... Yeah, no, he was actually important put, give my input. He was actually this. important when he played. Uh, when so he do you think us. the Knicks should fire Tom Thibodeau? <sighs> That's like a... I'm, I'm going to give my take. You know, I ain't going to play the... 
defense thing. I'm going to give him my take. But I think that's a tough question because it's like you look at it on one side. He goes to the Knicks, right? And he brings you guys like he br- brings the best out of Julius Randle. He gets you guys to the playoffs. An excitement they haven't with. Yeah, it was it was a time. lot of excitement. Yeah, he got exposed in the playoffs, but it was a lot of excitement that year. You know, the Knicks were on a, a ride high tail defensively. They were the best defensive team in the league. Mm-hmm. Like they were great. But then you look at it on this end. They come back this year. They've added pieces and they've got worse. So I think with Thibodeau and what I, and in Chicago, Thibodeau, it was kind of like Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. Thibodeau came in when the pieces were there already. He didn't start the trend with it. I think it was Vinny Del Negro, if I'm not mistaken. He the one who was there Negro. with Negro. Thank you. Wow. What? Sorry. Oh, um, <laughs> good man. Yeah, no, because it's spelled. I understand yeah. it fine, man. Um, D Rose was that was D Rose's first coach. So it was like he was the first trend. They were bottom playoff team, bottom playoff team, and then boom, <laughs> they uh. Tom Thibodeau comes, they're the one seed. He changes it. He kind of, he's kind of like, stop laughing. He made an honest mistake. <laughs> he made an honest mistake. It's just funny. It I, is. Yeah, I thought it was Vinny Dow. You know it what I'm is. saying? It's all right, bro. But um, he he propels their <laughs> he propels their ceiling. You know what I'm saying? I got gotcha. you. So I think with the with the um Knicks, he's messing me up. I can't. It's I can't. all right, bro. <laughs> it's all right. It's just funny, bro. I'm just um. I think nobody's ever corrected me, too. That's the craziest part. Yeah, really? Yeah, they just keep letting me say Negro. Yeah, it's kind of like insane. So yeah. now I've been calling this guy Vinny Del Negro for so long. And now it's like, nah, it's Negro, bro. Yeah, there you go. So, um, but I don't think he should get fired. I don't I don't think so. I think, but it's tough. I think because there's no, there's no better coach in the market right now. And I think as of right now, you got to give him another year based off what he did last year. I get he's, uh, and I know he's not great with, Young players. He's not. He hasn't been that. He's really not good. He's really a discipline. We have a championship team here, Thibodeau. We need you to coach them. Okay, fine. They're veterans. Cool. I can do that. That's that's the type of coach Tibbs is. But at the same time, after what he did last year and bringing you guys back, you guys had your most excitement in damn near a decade. I think he should deserves another year to kind of like fix it and rewrite the ship. So I don't think Thibodeau should get fired. I think he should get one more year to try it again. Because you guys did try. You just failed. So I think he should get another year. So, Tom Thibodeau hasn't been good this year. His rotations have been bad. The lack of not playing young players when they play well is stubborn, to say the least. OB Toppin, I think, has been deserving more minutes. He hasn't been giving it to him. And now that Randall has been out, OB's been playing pretty well. You know, last two games, 18, 11, and 6, then 15 and 8 against Miami. Tom Thibodeau has made some questionable decisions. But I think firing him after this season would be reactionary. And I think the fan base, which is a fan base that tends to overreact over everything, is overreacting to Tom Thibodeau right now. I think Tom Thibodeau shot himself in the foot last season by being the fourth seed and exceeding expectations. When you exceed expectations, you now set a standard. And when that standard is not met, fans get irate. And that's what happened. We were the fourth seed last year. Everybody on the Knicks thought Knicks fan base thought that Kemba and Fournier were these huge pickups. Fournier is not better than Bullock and doesn't fit the Knicks better than Bullock. Bullock is playing amazing in Dallas. Kemba Walker was a disappointment. I think Tom Thibodeau was late to bench Kemba. He let him be out there a little bit too long. And we have to remember, last year, before Derrick Rose got traded to the Knicks, we were a 17-20 and 20 team. We were a team that was going to get a lottery pick or, or be in the play-in at most. Yeah. And Derrick Rose has been out this entire year. Tom Thibodeau couldn't count on 
Julius Randle regressing to not even an all-star level player. He was all NBA last year. He's averaging 20 points this year, which is a four-point drop-off from last season. R.J. Barrett had such a rough start to the season. Derrick Rose has been hurt. Kemba Walker wasn't good. Fournier, defensive liability. There have been things that have been happening to the Knicks that are not Tom Thibodeau's fault, but he's getting he's being scapegoated for this season. With that being said, I think Tom Thibodeau deserves one more year. As long as he doesn't go out and trade all our young players, <laughs> I really don't care. He, I don't want him to Minnesota us. I think he deserves one more year. And when looking at this situation, I was curious to find out how how many coach of the years have been fired. And it's been five. Avery Johnson. Dwayne Casey was one Dwayne Casey is yeah. the one. Most Avery Johnson played. won 67 games in 05-06 with the Mavericks. But they got eliminated in the first round. That was against, Dirk's MVP season. And that was the Warriors series, the, the We Believe Warriors. He got fired after that. George Carl, but he didn't. George Carl won 57 wins, he, 57 games in the 12 13 season when Denver traded Melo. They, they had a bunch oh, of like they played the good role players. Yeah. They beat them, though. No, they lost to the Warriors. With Igudala? Yeah, it was a 3 6. Uh, that was Steph Curry's breakout. They oh. uh, beat them in six games. Oh, but I found yeah. out that George Carl wasn't even fired by the Nuggets. He was fired by Sacramento later on. Byron Scott with the Hornets in 07 08 with Chris Paul won 56 games, then fired after the 09 010 season. I like Byron. Sam Mitchell also, Mike Brown with the Cavs, and Dwayne Casey recently with the Raptors. So there's only been five coaches that have been fired after winning coach of the year. And to me, it's like, I don't know if firing Tom Thibodeau is the solution. I really don't know if it is. We fired Tom Thibodeau. Now, who takes his place? We might just have another mediocre coach. We might just go through another cycle like we did with Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornacek, and um, I'm forgetting some other names that were coaching us. Like Mike Kurt, Woodson. Kurt Rambis, Mike Woodson he got fired He was a decent before. coach. Mike Woodson was good. He was. And he got scapegoated as well and then got fired. So for me, I don't think firing Tom Thibodeau is the answer, at least after this season. He deserves one more season after what he did in his first year. Next year, if it's disappointing, if the stubbornness is still there, which it likely will be, yeah, I would be on board with him being fired. But he exceeded expectations last year, and that really hurt his job security in the long run. So instead of just reiterating what you guys are going to say, I'm just going to ask a couple questions. Let's say you guys do move off of Tom Thibodeau, right? Would you want a, a coach in similar stature of being a, a guy that's more team-oriented and not let me let me rephrase this actually. Do you want a player coach? Do you want someone that's going to just bring try and bring out the best in these players and be a little bit more lenient with these guys? Yeah. Or do you want someone similar to Tom Thibodeau that's going to be a hard ass that wants to do things a specific way but has to a degree a history of getting things done? What think, would you rather? I think for me, like player coaches are essential for young guys. You know, you look at Boston, you even go back and look at Brooklyn. I think with Kenny Atkinson, Ime Adoka, those are player coaches. Those are guys who young guys tend to, you know, relate more to a player coach, a guy that they can relate to, they can talk to. So I think for the young pieces in um, New York, I think a guy like Thibodeau who's stubborn, you know, he's very disciplined. He's one way or the other. I think that's more for like a Jimmy Butler, like a veteran Mm -hmm. type of D Rose. That's why D Rose is always loves him. Yeah, Mm because he understands. So I think. A player coach would fit more for the Knicks young guys. And you also have to think before I get your thoughts also, you got to think it's New York. This is a different type of energy than everyone else. This is the media center of the world. This is like one of the more, I don't want to say hip, 
essentially, do you want that player coach or do you want a coach similar to a Thibodeau? I feel like it doesn't. It, it matters. It depends on the direction. Like, if we're gonna go young and just rebuild and you know try to fight for the lottery and get higher picks, then I guess a guy like Kenny Atkinson would work. But I want to win. And I think Thibodeau can win with with a roster that's more talented. Do you think so? I do think so. But back to the point about like Knicks fans being trolls, I think they are overreactionary. They're very stubborn. You look at every single star player that has come to New York, we have treated them like shit. Patrick Ewing, Carmelo Anthony, Julius Randle gave us a great season. Now everybody's turned their backs on him. So do you think that, that Knicks fans treated Melo badly? Yes, 100%. I feel a little differently, truthfully. Now, Knicks fans are like, oh, Melo, man, I miss those days. But I remember back then, Melo was the scapegoat for everything going wrong in New York. Really? Yes. Interesting. Okay. He's not a winner. He doesn't pass. He's shooting too much <laughs> fadeaway jump shots and mid-range shots. He's settling. I, I, I saw it firsthand and how the fan base treated him, how the national media as a whole treated Melo in those final years. Because of that... That's why I don't – Thibodeau deserves another year. Okay. And firing him after this year sets a bad precedent. Even Steve Kerr was like, if I went to New York, I would have been fired and out of the league in a year or two. But he chose the right situation. Coaches have to feel like the Knicks are the right situation, and it's not reactionary because a coach has to take a lot into account. I'm going to New York. If I don't win, now I'm going to get so much backlash in New York to the point where you might not even be able to go outside and eat – with your family at a nice restaurant because Knicks fans are going to be screaming absurdities at you. And then you also have to take into account the roster. Can I win with this? So there's a lot to take into account. And I think if, if a coach sees that a, a coach of the year just got fired a year after winning the award, it's such a bad, bad president for good coaches around the league to join the Knicks. Fair enough, man. So on to the final topics. We That's our topic list for today, but we're going to answer some Patreon questions. Do it. So these two are both from RJ. Who is the NBA's best role player? In my opinion, it's Mikel Bridges. I think it's Mikel Bridges. Ooh, that's a good one. We're calling him a role player? Yes. What is he? I would say like a defensive star. He is. He's a role player, bro. Alex Caruso is a, is a role player. No, Mikel Bridges is a role player. I think. Uh, I feel like my answer would be Alex Caruso. Dang, okay, so you, that's... Uh, Mikel Bridges is a role player. That's not right, so that's he's the, the case. third best player on the Suns. Would you agree? Fourth. I would say he's better than Aiden. He's more essential than Aiden is. All right, so if that's the case, Marcus Smart for maybe. me is the best role player That's a great in the answer. NBA. That's a great answer. I would go Marcus Smart. I would think maybe Bridges. Okay, maybe Bridges right now is a role player. I think he could be better. That's why. What was the player that had the most potential that was drafted into the wrong situation? This is a tough scenario. This is a tough question because there's a lot of rookies right now that are thriving. I have truthfully. one. Tyreek Evans. Oh, we're talking about all time. I thought we we're just going off this this most recent one. I I mean this didn't this doesn't yeah. have a time to run it. Hmm. I mean, break that down. Why, why do you feel like that? I feel that way because as a rookie, he averaged twenty points per game, five rebounds, five assists. He was efficient from the field, not from the three. He always had to work on his jump shot. Mm-hmm. His rookie year in Sacramento was the year that he had his highest usage percentage while being in Sacramento. Every year, his usage went down and down. They were trying. He came into the league as a point guard. Then Sacramento's like, no, now he wants you to play the two, now the three. He never got to fully thrive as a point guard and keep playing that position. That was always his position. And a guy in their rookie season averaging 20 points per game, five rebounds and five assists, 
that's somebody who should have sent to an all-star. Yeah. But because he was in Sacramento, he was held back. I feel like you could say something similar to Zach Levine and him getting drafted in Minnesota, where we saw the potential in Zach Levine but never had that opportunity because there were so many other guys that needed the ball in front of him. He tore his ACL, though. That's true for sure, but even you look at it still, Jimmy Butler was there. Carl Anthony Towns was there. These are guys. He was never there with Jimmy. Oh, you're 100% right. That's what, The reason why they got yeah. him was because they traded Jimmy. He, he averaged 19 in Minnesota, then tore his ACL, and he was, was out for the it year. It was Wiggins. It was Carl Anthony Towns. And Levine. And was it Derrick Rose also at the time? Jamal Crawford, Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, they was all in that team. So I feel like now you look at it from that sense, it's like you, you traded Levine, he comes to the Bulls, he shows you that he can be this dominant offensive force, and it also goes to the sense of why certain teams rush player development. We were talking about Wendell Carter and, and the Bulls and how do we think that the Bulls made a mistake in trading for Vooch? That's one of those scenarios where you know the Bulls couldn't risk taking the time in player development and needed to make a move for a star. Similarly, where the Bull, or the Timberwolves needed to make a push for a legit star. It wasn't star. Rose, it was Rubio. Rubio, okay. So, but similarly, where the Bulls need, uh, the Timberwolves needed to make a push for a star with Carl Anthony Towns, with Andrew Wiggins, and they couldn't take the chance and wait on Levine to get healthy coming off that torn ACL. So now we see him come to the Bulls, and, and he's completely changed the trajectory of his career. I got one. Michael Beasley. That's another great one. That is a great I name. I think Michael Beasley getting drafted into Miami, which is typically the heart of party city, being that type of player, being that type of town, I feel like he needed to be somewhere where it's just all about basketball. I remember I was watching, it's just relatable, but not relatable. I was watching this Bun B interview about mm-hmm. Lil Wayne, and he was talking about how Lil Wayne, you know, they, they saw the talent early, and he was like, you know, we see the talent, so what we're going to do is we're just going to lock him in the studio. He can do anything he wants to do, but it has to be in the studio because if he leaves the studio, it's going to feel uncomfortable, feel weird, feel walk. So you want to have a party? Okay, do it in the studio. You know what I'm saying? You want to have your boys over play some games? That's cool. Do it in the studio. And I feel like for Michael Beasley, like same thing how DeMar, DeMar said he was drafted to Toronto and all he had, all it was out there was the gym. I feel like for Michael Beasley, his career would have went a lot differently if all it was was the gym. You know, all he was just locked in trying to get better. So for me, and another one, Mar- Marvin Bagley, for obvious reasons, because, you know, Sacramento is Sacramento. I feel like that was a decent spot for him to thrive in, though. It's just the players, you know, the, the coaching situation was a rough one, and that's fair. I feel but like coaches is a big He had part. the opportunity. But I feel like if he had the coach and the opportunity fair for enough, a big then. two, I agree. Like, I think but I agree. Michael Beasley would be my number one. And this is a TikTok question. Where would Damian Lillard rank right now amongst the top point guards in the NBA? Still say he'd he'd be top five, but closer to five than he's barely cracking the top five for me. He's closer. Luca's, to... Luca's better. So we're, we're counting Lucas as a one. Just Trey Young is better. Steph Curry's better. John Moran is better. And if you count Harden as a point guard, he's better than Dame. And then Dame's not top five. Dame is barely cracking the top five. I would probably have him at five. I would. Have I'm him not at counting five. Harden as a guard as a okay. point guard. So I would have him at five six. He's in the five seven range. Let me say that he's. Five to seven, he's in that type of range. I feel like Trey Young has overlapped him. John Morant is probably going to overlap him. He already did it. Luca clears, Steph clears. So I think he's in the five. I just don't range. want us to forget what Damian Lillard is. I know, I know what Dame is, but Trey Young in his third season in the NBA did something that Dame it took him years to do, which was make the conference finals. I want I want to say this though, Dame is in the five seven range, but there isn't a scenario. Where he can get back into that four conversation? Isn't Dame, no is there is okay, a scenario right. he is still that type of talent. You don't he can't be top three though. He can be over I don't, Steph I don't think, Luca. I think Steph Luca. Steph Luca. Steph Luca. He could be three again over Trey. He could be. 
I don't think he can be over Trey. It can be. I, I feel like it's it's tough with Trey because like he the numbers Listen, Trey's and, numbers are so and, ridiculous. And what you're saying also makes sense. It took him years to get to where Trey already did it in his what third year, whatever it Second was. Year. So no, third. Oh, regardless of that, the season after, now his team's fighting for a play playing spot. At least Damian was consistently making the playoffs without a what, the what? year Dame averaged thirty. There wasn't a plan. They were thirty and eight. What year? No, they, when he went thirty and eight, they, they, they were in the plan. They were in the really bubble. bad. In that, the that bubble. team was worse than this Atlanta team. You know that they had CJ McCollum still, and Damian uh, Nurkic was there but still. Dame, but Dame Nurkic was missed a lot of nah, time. Right, and right. Dame put the team on his shoulders every single Trey game. Trey is putting the team on his shoulders right now for sure. And it's ten seed. It's not resulting in anything. The East is tough. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. I'll give you that. <laughs> He shouldn't be lower than I Charlotte. Think, though. I think Dame he should not I, be I lower than Charlotte. I think Dame is barely and cracking think, the top. And five. think about it. Aside from you, which you you know, I'm sure if we included you in this, you'd have a stroke. But people had high expectations for for the Hawks. For them to be where they are right now is a, is a complete utter disappointment. And that's not because of Trey Young, but you still have to credit team success. And when you evaluate a, a, a player to a degree, that's not because of him, but it is because of him at the same time. He is a part of the defensive. He's problem. a liability on defense. So, Agreed wholeheartedly. Uh, but I'll give him like 20, 80 blame. That's fair. Okay. So that's going to do it for episode 166 mm-hmm. of the Pick Aside podcast. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and N-N-C. on Instagram at Pick Aside Pod on Twitter, on Pick Aside Podcast on Instagram, and on TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I don't know about the merch. Come on. And you can know. also buy there some merch on PickAsidePodcast.com and, and, and read some really nice articles. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, I'm Brandon Kelly from the Always Cheating Podcast, co-hosted with my friend Josh Landon. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. What is Blue Wire? Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. And over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, their podcast network, and their business operations. Now they're raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. And it's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. So if you'd like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, visit WeFunder.com slash BlueWire.